Hey there, Dolls of Horror fans. D doll fan, d doll fans, horror fan dolls, do doll heads, dollars. We haven't come up with an endearing nickname to refer to all of you collectively just yet, so if anyone has any ideas. Anyway, have you found yourself liking our podcast so much that you were like, gee, I wish I could wear the Dolls of Horror logo across my torso all day. Or, my morning coffee would taste much better if the mug holding it had the Dolls of Horror on it. Well, you're in luck, because if you become a Patreon subscriber, you can get a t-shirt, or mug, or even a onesie for your baby, who definitely should be listening to this podcast about blood, boobs, and other adult themes. Note to self, pitch horror-themed daycare to... Girls. Now bring a little parts down here. Hell, we got plenty of snakes and lizards for them to play with. There's no problem with that at all. What? Huh? Where was I? Oh, yes. Um, if you go to patreon.com slash of horror, you can become a Patreon subscriber where you get all of our episodes a week in advance, along with some fun merch you can wear, drink out of, or torment your infant with. Go to patreon.com slash of horror today. And now for your episode. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, Children of all ages, you are about to enter the world of darkness. A world where life and death are meaningless and pain is God. Woo! Hey, Lele, let's go. Watch a few movies, take a few notes. <laughs> it was fun. <laughs> you know, it's not always easy to transition from one art form to another. But when your new passion is making horror movies, and you're already known to the world as a heavy metal icon, it's probably a little easier. If anything, the moral lesson that can be taken away from tonight's movie is quite simply, be careful what you wish for. So let's not waste any more time. Grab your travel book and your favorite rabbit costume, as all three of us tonight will cover Rob Zombie's House of a Thousand Corpses. And now... The Dolls of Horror. It's showtime. Hi guys, welcome back to the Dolls of Horror podcast, the spot to feed your tormented addiction. I'm Summer. And I'm Jamie. And today we have back as a guest this time, producer Jesse. Hello. Hello. Jesse's in the house. <laughs> I am. It's been so long since I've talked to you guys. Anyway. I know. It feels like forever. <laughs> and Jamie and I were just talking. This is the first time you've recorded with her mm -hmm. in yeah. an episode. So this is very exciting. It is very oh. exciting because I think uh, I, I appreciate uh, Jamie's input and um, energy when they're doing normal episodes that I'm not participating in. Mm -hmm. Um but, uh, yeah, so I haven't actually had a chance to actually interact with you in this world. So yeah. I'm kind of excited to see uh, how uh, how this goes. I'm <laughs> so excited. <laughs> I've literally been imagining it in my head ever since we started this. Like, ooh, I can't, I I can't wait till like, Jesse gets on and talk, well, to, talk to us about a movie. Well, I'll tell you right now that idle thoughts about me during your free time are completely wasted <laughs> on better things you could be thinking about. But I appreciate the compliment. <laughs> it's going to be a party. Whoop, whoop. Mm -hmm. Today, we're discussing one of Jesse's uh, favorites, House of a Thousand Corpses from 2003. Mm -hmm. I mm -hmm. love this movie. 
So, Jesse, when was the first time you saw this movie? Do you remember? Um, well, it only goes back to 2003. Um, I don't... It's almost 20 years ago, yo. I... Yeah. <laughs> and the fact that I can recall, like, almost in one event, like, every year, all the way back that far. But anyway, we'll not go into feeling old right now. I probably saw it in... Um, I don't think I saw it the, the first year. But what I had done, and I know for a fact it started in 2004, if it started then, it might have been before, but I'm pretty sure it was 2004. Halloween of 2004, I, I want to say was probably the, it was either the first or the second time I ever saw it. And I'm willing to say it was the first time I saw it, it was Halloween 2004, now that I'm like slowly trying to think about it. And what I did was I decided that I was just going to watch this movie every Halloween for like, it was like 10 years that I that was just became my thing. It was just find some time in your day on Halloween to watch House of a Thousand Corpses and I did that for about 10 solid years in a row wow. and then I um and I just stopped. And it wasn't really like don't get me wrong, it's not a perfect movie and it's not even like I'd say in my top 10 of all time. But as far as just like Halloween fun fucking movie to watch this is a great fucking movie for that. So that's why I do it. Yeah, yeah. What, yeah. About, you? Uh, what about you, Jamie? <clears throat> do you have a um, first time? So since I'm since I'm the baby of the group, I watched this when I was in high school and it came out and my friends and I like loved this movie. My friends and I were just obsessed with this movie when it came out. So I, pro- I saw it pretty much the year it came out. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's been a while since I've seen it though. So it was nice to rewatch it. Yeah, I think I might've seen this two years after it came out if it came out in 2003 probably two one to two years after it came out and it was just a a random i didn't know what it was i think somebody told me to to watch it at some point and i was just in the video store and i saw it on the shelf and i rented it and my boyfriend at the time brian shout out to brian boyfriend at the time brian shout out to brian um he had a blockbuster membership where you paid like a flat rate and you traded in a dvd and got a new one and you could do that three times a day if you wanted to or once a month that was the shit it didn't matter so (laughs) while i had a hollywood video membership shout out to clark that's where i met him (laughs) Um, so i had the hollywood video membership for myself but i would use brian's blockbuster membership because it was a lot more economical (laughs) to and i remember the blockbuster was maybe like a half a mile so i'd rent a movie on my day off watch it take it back get another one do that like three times a day uh that's the dream oh yeah funny um yeah Funny, funny blockbuster anecdote for all for 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 the for the split audience, half of which are even going to know what I'm talking about. Um, right. But um, you, when I ever get a new wallet, I'll always go through a phase where you know whatever million cards, membership cards, credit mm-hmm. cards, whatever, um, will they'll go through um, a new like a reaudition for if you're worthy to go into my new wallet. And so during one of those transitions, the Blockbuster card didn't make the cut because it no longer Aww. existed as a store. And yeah. I'm like, well, I'm only holding this for novelty. And it's it's adding to the thickness of my wallet, which looks like a tumor on my thigh when I wear it with jeans. So um, 
So let's make the wallet look a little smaller. And um, I took it out. Fast forward. This was like, I don't know, 15 years ago. Fast forward to um, maybe six months ago when I was just doing some extensive cleaning and I found like a baggie that had all of the cards that ever got rejected by my new wallet. And I looked at it, I'm like, oh, my Blockbuster card. And it had the date from 1997 printed on it so yeah anyway oh my god that's awesome (laughs) i love it oh yeah well i just went through the uh, the same kind of wallet ritual that uh you had just a few days ago i was cleaning out my closet which really was bad it was a mess and i was finding all these old things and i found a box with like knickknacks and one of those things was an old wallet Mm -hmm. and so i'm like okay well what should i put in my current wallet and I found my Safeway Vons club card you know for us out here in the Midwest it was uh, Dominic's oh and you know that's where I worked and stuff so it was like my employee club card and um I'm like I'm not throwing this away this is a, this is a novelty item like Jesse said uh-huh. <laughs> I'm not gonna keep it on me but this is a novelty <laughs> item and then I was like I wonder if they still use these because we don't have this chain here anymore mm-hmm. so I'm like, okay I wonder if they still use these Safeway Vons cards <laughs> keep it yeah. in your keep it in your like personal museum of you like, know the past <laughs> yes 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 Absolutely. Absolutely. And yeah, I do have like a Hollywood video card and all that stuff that's going to go in there too. There's something great about having a membership card to a store that no longer exists. It just makes you feel (laughs) special. It's like no one else can ever get one of these. I know. I know. I still have my Dominic's card. I know I definitely did not throw that away. But yeah, this one is from my hometown. So since I'm not there anymore, I don't know what they're doing now. But yeah. Did you live near a Ralph's when you were uh, in Bakersfield? Mm -hmm. Yeah. It was actually right across the street from the um the Safeway. I just yeah. didn't know I just didn't know how accurate the uh depictions in the Big Lebowski were, so that's all. Continue. Yeah. <laughs> we had Ralph's and there was one other big chain that was out there. But yeah. 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 Yep. And then we had the defunct chains. We had I remember growing up with one called Lucky's and one called Alpha Beta, which I know Arizona had at one point in the eighties. Huh. But I don't think they're there anymore. I don't think they're around. Mm-hmm. So I remember Lucky's and I remember Alpha Beta. And if anyone out there is, is older than me, you'll remember Alpha Beta too. Promise. <laughs> <laughs> it was Alpha Beta was mentioned in a movie actually from the eighties and that's how I know it was in Arizona because it took place at ASU. Okay. Oh, I've yeah. never had I've never had the pleasure of um, shopping yeah. at one. <laughs> and dude stressing about his college loans. The movie's called Campus Man. That's one of my favorites. And dude stressing about his college loans, and then he's like, "If I don't come up with X thousand dollars for next semester, I'm going to be bagging groceries at Alpha Beta for eternity." <laughs> uh. <laughs> and I watched that a few months ago, and I'm like, "I remember Alpha Beta." <laughs> Uh, nostalgia is such a powerful thing <laughs> it really is yeah. trip down memory lane man but right. no oh, i man. saw house with house and corpses on a fluke um mm-hmm. in one of my swapping out of the videos um and i remember liking it in the beginning and then going what the fuck am i watching now in the end and yeah it's, I was so confused, I, and I'm I'm am a little less confused now, but I'm still pretty confused. 
the way because I've seen this movie so many times and I'm completely aware the the reason the biggest reason why it's not in my like top ten all time movies is that it it makes no sense like the movie uh-huh. the movie just kind of randomly just keeps going in a direction <laughs> that you don't see and um, yeah it's kind of like life then and the way I describe <laughs> just going in directions you don't see right well the way I the way I've learned to describe it to people who haven't seen it because I push this movie on everybody is um, I just say like okay. If you're looking for a cerebral movie, you're going to be disappointed. But if you're just looking for something that's fun and that kind of has the plot style of like if you were all sitting around a campfire and doing the shared campfire story where like somebody says like one line and then they pass it Uh to somebody else who builds on it. (laughs) Because once you get like way far down that chain, like the story doesn't make any sense. It's kind of like that where the movie's just going and you're like, all right, this is happening now. Exactly like that. All right. Like you just have to, if you're comfortable just sitting there going, all right, that's happening now. Then it, you're going to love the movie. Like oh, yeah. as long as you're, you're totally cool with that, you're going to love this movie. So yes. Yeah, you just have to go with it. You mm-hmm. really do. Yeah, yeah. and um, yeah, I'll save the rest of it for the rest of the show. <laughs> so if anyone out there has not seen this movie yet, it is about two young couples traveling across the country to write a guidebook of offbeat roadside attractions and end up as prisoners of a bizarre and sadistic backwoods family of killers. It stars uh, the amazing Sid Haig, Karen Black, Bill Mosley, Sherry Moon Zombie, um, gosh, Dennis Fimple, uh, Walton, Walton Goggins, who I love, Me too. and written and directed by Rob Zombie. And this was his first one right jesse it was his directorial debut and you forgot mm-hmm. dwight from the office yes uh, Rain Rain Wilson. Wilson. Oh, uh, too much but, cast members but yeah. too many um but yeah, yes, rain this, wilson this sure. was his this was his debut and again i'll save this comment for later but um but you could i'll just say right now you could tell and i'm not saying this as a put down but you could tell that this was his first movie and and I'll explain why as we uh, get down to cinematography, but um, mm-hmm. I'm not I'm not saying that like in a bad way, but my reason will make sense hopefully. But yeah, yeah. no, it was a great cast, and um, and considering like for those of you who were like young adults in 2003, like 2003 was kind of like YouTube wasn't a thing yet, and. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was it and what was kind of funny was that Rob Zombie like now in retrospect this was his first movie so he had nothing to build off of but in retrospect Rob Zombie loves shooting movies set in the 70s and oh, yeah. um and so this was the first example it was Halloween 1977 i never learned why that year was significant but um because he made a note to make it to make sure it was Halloween 1977 mm-hmm. and maybe it was just like this is the year it's kind of arbitrary but just so you know where the technology of the story is mm-hmm. maybe that's why he did it maybe it was no maybe it was no more of a thought than just that but i did notice i'm like why 77 like is there something significant about that year mm-hmm. and i ne- i never learned it if, if if there was one but anyway does anybody know let Ooh. us know yeah where you, i want to find out now that's a very good point it was a year before right. i was born so yeah um well there you go that's significant. <laughs> yeah <laughs> Tell us if anybody knows. Yeah, we want to know for sure. Okay, favorite 
kill. Fatality. Jamie. Me. Okay. <laughs> um, you know, okay. I think my favorite kill was our boy Dwight, our boy Bill. I, I mean, that. that's like, it's so great because like, you know, his girlfriend is in the other room and she's like, I want to see him. I want to see him. And you already know in your head, like, no, you don't. No, you don't. It's bad. You don't want to see him. It's bad. But you don't know how bad yet. And then like, you know, he's tied up and like Brick House is playing and like Sherry Moon Zombie is like giggling away. And then, <laughs> he like cuts off his arm and then, you know, he turns him into this beautiful like fish boy thing, mermaid man thing. And oh, I love like curio stuff, too. So I love like that. I would go into that gas station and be like so delighted and want to go on the murder ride and see every <laughs> single little like piece, curio piece. It's so true. I, it's a beautiful scene. That's my favorite kill. It's a good one. And it was mine, but I did have a backup. And it I, is mine. I was going to say like, <laughs> I had a feeling that because that's an easy one and I don't mean that in a it bad is, way, but that's no, an easy one. I mean, good, like fish boy, like kill. it's, it's the best reveal because like rain Wilson, he's not in the movie terribly long, but he's kind of is the point of view character for the majority of the time he's on screen. And so yeah. you, you do kind of, you get just enough of an emotional investment in him so that when you see fish boy, you're like, Aw, I liked him. Like it's so totally. it's a weird feeling, but at the same time you're like, that also looks really cool though. Okay. So. And also I like the fish boy. Yeah. Right. <laughs> so you're like, I'm sorry that that happened to you. You seem cool and I liked your style and you seem nice. But also I like you better as a fish boy. Yes. <laughs> yes. Yes. So and it was your destiny. Yes. So I'm going to say this one as my backup um, because it'll help me air out a one one of my few grief besides the plot my my um, one of the few grievances I had with the movie came in this scene um, when um, Otis this was like kind of the middle two thirds uh, like starting the final act and um, Otis is coming down the stairs wearing um, her Denise's dad's skin and. You know, say whatever you want about like how easy it would be to just make a skin suit just with a knife, but um, and 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 a flawless one at that. I mean, the dude, <laughs> dude looked exactly like his fa- like like her father. Like Jamie, it was very like, well done. It was like Thanksgiving, right? <laughs> and um, but my but so I would say that the father was my favorite kill, um, because what it did was make me like. Feel a change. It changed my perspective of of Denise because I understand. Look, she's been through a lot at this point in the movie. She's gone through a lot of trauma, and she's probably a little delirious. I'll give her that. But the dude is very clearly wearing a mask where you can't even see his eyes because it's so loose over his face that there's just these two like black voids. And when the guy is talking, like uh, when Otis is talking, pretending like he's um, her dad, like joking with her. Um, and then pretending to go kiss her. There is a moment that she thinks that it's his dad, her dad. And I'm like, how are you? Like, I, I understand you've been through a lot and I don't want to invalidate your experience. But but like, <laughs> how do you not see like you've gone through all this hell? You're you're hanging from a chandelier when this is happening. And you look over and you're just like, daddy. And I'm like, 
not quite. Well, <laughs> she wants it to happen like that so badly. Yeah. But... In a way that's kind of sad, too. It's like you, yeah. you look at it. It was it very just, sad. Because mm-hmm. yeah, she was so... And, and you know, like kind of thinking about it in retrospect, that makes more sense. That maybe she mm-hmm. was just so beat up that it was just like, look... I'm just shooting a Hail Mary here, like, you know, <laughs> Daddy, is that you? Like, it kind of looks like, maybe, maybe, okay, there's more to be said about it, so I'll, I'll, but it's still my favorite kill, just because it was a very weird moment for me in that, in that movie, and it wouldn't have happened had the dad, you know, not been killed, so there we go. You know, I yeah. also, okay, I have a backup, and it's not really a good kill. It's not a great kill at all. It's actually pretty lame, but... I think the scene is shot so beautifully that I have to mention it. And I was going to mention this in cinematography and I probably will again, because this is, I think has always been my favorite scene in the entire movie always. And that is the, the Walton Goggins kill. Mm-hmm. Okay. And like I said, it's, it's not spectacular. It does not have the beauty that Fishboy has at all. But I just love that entire scene, starting with the song. Mm-hmm. Um, I think I refer to this as the um, I Remember You kill. Yep. Yep. <laughs> and <clears throat> how it's a slow motion, the song is playing. You see it all play out in real time. It would be a course of five seconds, but it's like a 30-second scene. Yep. And he's now on the ground. He's now cowering. The song stops. It's complete silence for seconds. And it feels like a lot longer than it is, I'm sure, because of the suspense. And then you hear just a gunshot. Yes. And I love that moment, too. And see poor Walton fall to the ground um, from mm-hmm. his knees, just just crumble. And, yeah, that's my second favorite only because of how it is shot. I like it. You get this, like, um, you get this, like, like a uh, shot from above too. Mm-hmm. It like kind of pans up, mm-hmm. and so oh mm-hmm. man, it's a great mm-hmm. scene. I f- it's a beautiful crane shot. I um I forgot to take a note because I wanted to note it, but uh, for this moment, but um I want to say I forgot the time how long it was from the time that the music stops from the time that you hear the gunshot, and I'm not kidding that it's it's at least. 10 15 seconds like it's a long 15 seconds where you're like and it's just silent Did the film break it's literally it's just silence it's not a freeze frame it's it's silence and the camera's way pulled back like it's clearly on a crane like it's it's a good yeah. 15 20 feet away from them oh, and yeah. um, and the, the camera the only thing that keeps me from thinking the camera didn't break in the scene or the film didn't break is that it's still pulling back but there's silence now yeah, mm-hmm. and and like, like your you frames could see are the, still moving, and you I say you could see the odd thing moving in the breeze and that, so mm-hmm. so you could tell that it's not a frozen shot or whatever. Mm-hmm. And it's really like yeah. it's it, it you feel weird about it because you're like you know you know what's going to happen, mm-hmm. and oh, Rob yeah. Zombie decided to do the like the extra long hold, like extra long hold to just so hold extra. that dread out just a little bit longer, and then it then it finally pays off. Yes. So, yeah. The silence is intense. Like it's when it's so all quiet intense. like that, and totally. you know, you know, there's going to be a big bang somewhere, and <sighs> mm-hmm. <laughs> yes, it's so so intense. It's almost like the feeling when you're um, getting ready to make your jack in the box pop out, 
and you don't know which chord it's going to pop on. That's a mm-hmm. brilliant comparison. I love that yes. comparison. Yes. That like is a that's exactly how I've seen this movie a million times now. That's exactly how the scene makes me feel. It's the Jack in the Box effect. I really, <laughs> really like when that. It, when the shot happens. We're gonna we're gonna we're gonna yeah. make that we're gonna make that um that phrase famous totally. We're gonna we're gonna it's the jack the jack in the box effect. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Trademark the jack yeah, in the box. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yes. So that's my honorable mention kill because uh, well I mean I, like I said I love Walton Goggins so much and everything he's ever done. Me too. And I love the song they had playing by Slim Whitman and the, how the scene looks. It, the whole thing, just the whole thing, and everything in this scene from beginning to end, it's like you're you see Otis come out from behind the shed, and it's like your oh shit moment, mm-hmm. and you know this isn't going to end well mm-hmm. at all. And then you also see all the the girls thrashing in their chains as well in slow motion, very uncomfortable. Yeah, yeah. I, I love that scene. It's my favorite scene, I think, in the entire movie. It's a really good one. It's a very tense it's, um, moment. It's it's one of the only times, if not like the only time, where the movie kind of is like serious for a moment. Because mm-hmm. the rest mm-hmm. of the time, it's just more like, "Hey, we're crazy. We're killing people." Like it's and it's, it's yeah. and that's totally and we're fine. Crazy. But there's that 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 scene, that tone is totally serious. Like uh, by comparison to the rest of the movie so yeah mm-hmm. yeah for sure all right kill creativity well the problem with that is that a lot of the kills happen off camera um yeah. so like the fish boy kill like you see it like you see kind of a mm-hmm. a montage of it happening but you just see it like begin to happen he chop they, they chop his arm off and or his hand off and then they uh then yeah. it cuts back to the finished product and that so and um like gary's or i said gary jerry's death and which was we'll we'll get to later because mm-hmm. that was my other grievance with the movie and um and um the who was the other one uh, Denise Denise was the one who made it to the end. Oh, Mary, she was the one who got right. stabbed to death. So, I mean, as far as creativity goes, the Fishboy kill was clearly the most creative one, but we never got to see it. All the other kills yeah. were just very standard. Mm-hmm. You know, either you mm-hmm. shot, they got shot or they got stabbed. You know, I mean, mm-hmm. so I would say the creativity yeah. was pretty low as far as what you actually witnessed. Yeah. Yes, I would say leading. I th- I think almost like the moments leading up to the kills are a little bit more creative <laughs> than the kills themselves. Totally. But totally. yeah, I agree. The kills themselves aren't all that creative. And you know, surprisingly, I know people who think this movie is like incredibly, incredibly gory and stuff like that who haven't seen it. And it's like, well, most of the kills you don't actually like super even see them on screen. Yeah, it's the Texas Chainsaw Massacre effect where. People imagine the original Texas Chainsaw as being incredibly gruesome and gory, and really, you see nothing. Right. Yeah. And actually, this movie has a lot. It's very Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Mm-hmm. I know that Rob Zombie said that himself, said mm-hmm. this is definitely, you know, a little bit of Texas Chainsaw Massacre meets me. 
Yeah, and I felt that really even more so in Devil's Rejects. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and that felt even more like the Texas Chainsaw Massacre for me. Oh, yeah. There's some direct, like, I don't know, that whole scene where they're at the dinner table and oh, yeah. Tiny comes down the stairs. Oh, yeah. yeah, it's very Texas Chainsaw uh, Massacre. The, the, the flesh face mask. Yep. <laughs> right? The, the house itself. I mean, the, the, uh-huh. the setting of the house. Yeah. I believe yep. that. I, be- I I don't know if Summer had looked this up. I did not look up any fun facts myself. I usually like to for my uh, the times that I'm on there, but I did not this time. Did you was there something significant was that house used in other things cuz I feel like maybe it was like in yes. like like a sitcom or something don't you let's not go down that rabbit hole just yet but yeah, um, I'm I'm no I don't remember what I said but I know I did make a note in the fun facts it was a a backlot universal backlot house cuz I cuz it almost looked oh. like the risky business house from the 80s but um, yeah. I don't know if it's I'll, I'll the get same to that later or. because I don't remember where it is in my notes Okay but I did. I know I did make a note on the house okay. at some point. Gotcha. I, hope, I think. <laughs> I well, sure we'll I get to it. I should have followed through it. on that one. <laughs> <laughs> um, I do remember reading something about it, though, for sure. Yeah, but there was a a backlot house, so it was used what? for other things. Um, what else? Let's talk. Let, let's just talk about our actors because they were so good. Mm-hmm. Gosh, and they have resumes. These actors have resumes. I was Mm -hmm. like looking at them and I'm familiar with most of them. And I was just Mm -hmm. kind of jotting down some of their films. And I'm like, I literally Mm -hmm. don't have room for this. No. um, (laughs) I mean, we'll start with our star in my mind, Sid Haig. Oh, yeah. uh, Passed away uh, in 2019. I almost said last year, but no, now it's been a year and a half. (laughs) You know? Yeah. he stole my, that movie every every scene he was he, in. Absolutely, he steals anything he's ever done. I started I mean, pausing the movie like so much in the very beginning scene because I just like okay, that was a good moment. That was a good line. Oh my god, yes! So his, I was like, I'm never gonna get through this movie. I sent you guys it. the the link to the um the menu on the DVD. Mm-hmm. I, and, and I watched I, it. <laughs> I need to watch it still. Oh my gosh! Oh my god, woman, best menu. Best four minutes of a menu ever. And if you don't push anything, he just keeps talking to you. You see, kids, back in the olden days, we used to have these things called DVDs. And so when we wanted to watch a movie on demand, we couldn't just push like two (laughs) buttons and there it magically appeared. We actually had to grab these little plastic circles called DVDs and put them into another machine that would read the machine or read the disc and give you a movie. And when on the DVD menu... Sometimes there would be actual. They would put effort into the DVD menu and just have just random shit. Just, just here's a set. Here's a shot from the movie. Here's Sid Haig playing Captain Spaulding, pretending like you're a customer while your DVD menu options are on the side, and he's treating you like a customer. It's fucking brilliant. It's so fucking funny. And it yeah, that was the best. The be- I'm so glad you shared that before we talked about it because that was such a great like cherry on top for his character yeah. that he did that. Well, Jesse had told me that you know he hasn't had seen the DVD menu, and I said, <gasps> I said this menu is so amazing, it has to be on YouTube, and I found it in about ten seconds. <laughs> and this is something that I actually talked about with a a friend of mine, Taylor, not. Taylor we just had on but Taylor from Bakersfield and 
we watched this DVD a few times together when we were still living there um, and enjoyed it. And I, he said recently in a conversation we had, this is the best DVD menu he's ever seen. Nice. Oh. <laughs> so, yeah. I will say that sure. the uh, DVD menu for Zoolander is also quite delightful. Um, not uh, not quite to the to the level that Captain Spaulding put because 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 they use a lot of um, effects to to mm-hmm. to make the funny. Whereas it's just Sid Haig being funny, like so right so being Captain Spaulding, just yeah. being Captain Spaulding. Yes. Yeah, I mean Sid steals every show he's ever been in. Ever. Oh, yeah. I mean, uh, Henry knew about him from way, way back from his childhood in the his black exploitation films. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, you know, like The Coffee and Foxy Brown and Savage oh, yeah. Sisters. And he did a really interesting one um, where he kind of he went back to the black exploitation films with uh, Jackie Brown. Mm-hmm. Yep. Well, it was an um, homage, but yeah. Yeah. So and then. I did not grow up on those movies, but I grew up on watching him in things like Just the Ten of Us and MacGyver and Hill Street Blues. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And then his career had this total resurgence with the horror. Yeah. And he became the Rob Zombie staple. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah. And it's amazing. And we got, you know, The Lord of Salem and he was in Hatchet 3 and Mm -hmm. Death House and um, Halloween and of course, the Devil's Rejects and Three from Hell. I still haven't seen Three from Hell yet. I still haven't seen it either. But like I said, I keep hearing mixed reviews from people, so I don't know. And his last film, I told you, I just saw, which was Hanukkah, mm-hmm. which was interesting. <laughs> <laughs> interesting. Uh-huh. Um, I think there does need to be more Hanukkah horror movies. I would, I would love that to go along with my my Christmas horror movies. <laughs> I would appreciate it too. Give us that Hanukkah horror movie that we're dreaming of. (laughs) This this wasn't it at all. (laughs) It was fine. It was just. I'm not fine. (laughs) I'm not at all sorry I bought it because it was his last movie. So I'm not at all sorry. And Felissa Rose's um, son has a little a little part in it too. So that's that's fun too. That's sweet. All right. Hanukkah had a good cast, and it was just—I don't know. I don't know where it went wrong. I need to figure it out. Don't know. Hey, it's know. you know, it's it's blazing a path because yeah. there, you know, there's not many Hanukkah horror no. movies for it to like look to for like notes and like right. you know ideas. So hey, That's they're they're forging a new thing to rip off. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, but Sid is the king, and it upset the horror community greatly when he died. Um, I mean. It was, I mean, I saw, I was at a convention right after he he passed, and they had tributes. They had a memo book you could sign for the family. I mean, there was, it was an emotional thing. And he wasn't even going to be involved with this, this convention. It was just a tribute, and it was great. Oh. Yeah. Yeah, it was really good. Um, I mean, we also had Karen Black mm-hmm. in this one. Um, also passed half of these, half of our cast member yeah. in the family is gone mm-hmm. now. Um, Guy who played Tiny died. Um, yeah, and he died young. The other ones were on the older side. Grand, uh, 
grandpa. Yeah, there was so, so so much of the cast, and it was such a weird like revelation that like less than less than five or six years after this movie came out, like a significant portion of them had passed away yeah. from various things. Yeah, yeah. And that's kind of what I was saying with you guys and Elena about the poltergeist curse. I'm like, people die all the time and no one says a thing. But when you're involved in a horror movie, oh, it's it's cursed now. Mm-hmm. But I've never heard anyone mention like this movie or series being cursed, even though half of our cast is dead. Yeah. Yeah. True. You know, people are just looking, searching for something supernatural to believe in. Totally. But something else is going on. And I would love to believe that. I think it's very intriguing and fun, but I don't buy it. The idea it. is fun, yeah. Mm-hmm. The idea is fun, but I'm not buying it because well, people die all the time. Well, right. It's true. Um, Karen Black, she passed in 2013. She was 74 years old. Um, I love her, and I think most of us do. Oh, yeah. In Trilogy of Terror. Yes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's the first one on my list. <laughs> because she plays, like, what, three different characters in one movie and so completely different you might not even recognize her and that's why it's amazing so what's funny about karen black fun fact for all of the listeners is her being in being in the trilogy of terror as the main character in three completely separate stories was the inspiration for simone doing the exact same thing uh simone kissel for uh the bugs trilogy that's why she did what she's she did, if you recall from her interview, that that inspired yeah. her to make sure that the protagonist was the same for all three stories. Yeah. So. Yeah. And Very I remember cool. when we talked about that, which is amazing. It's been a few years, maybe five years since I've seen Trilogy of Terror, but I love that one. I love the first story with the teacher, mm-hmm. and I love the last story, of course. And that's the only story that anyone ever remembers is yeah. the last story with the doll. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, dude, that teacher story was fucked up. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to have to rewatch it now. It's been a while for me, too. But Please. after watching this, I'm like, okay, I got to do a rewatch. Everybody who thinks you remember Trilogy of Terror but only <laughs> remembers the Zuni fetish doll, please go check out the entire movie again mm-hmm. because it's brilliant. She also did another doll type movie called Ooga Booga. And I've not seen that one. It's a full moon. Oh, so, fun. So think the the fetish doll with full moon. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then um, Mirror Mirror, Children of the Night, and Children of the Corn, The Gathering. And we had this conversation with somebody. Maybe it was Alex. I don't remember. But yeah. I will watch all the Children of the Corn movies because I'm a completist. <laughs> you know, even though they're terrible and I'll never get yeah. those hours back. But hers nope. was actually very good. I really enjoyed hers. So, yes. Um, and we also talked about this with Alex. Come back to the Five and Dime, Jimmy Dean, Jimmy Dean. With um, Mark Patton, Cher, and... Mm-hmm. All I sarcastic. haven't seen it. I really want to, but yes, we did talk about this. I need to oh, see it. It's a great, great film. It's a great play, but it's not a feel-good movie. So no. go into it not knowing you're not going to be happy at the end. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know? Um, 
Bill Mosley is also a horror god. Oh, yeah. I mean, from the beginning in Texas Chainsaw Massacre Part 2, mm-hmm. which is also insane. It, you know, Texas Chainsaw Part 2 kind of feels like this movie. It does. I love part two. I think part two is like so much fun. <laughs> it starts off real solid. You got a story. You know exactly where you're going. Mm-hmm. And then you're like, what the <laughs> fuck just happened? Where did I go? How and, did I get here? And where are we now? And what's going on? And who are these people? <laughs> and who is this new character? And uh, mm-hmm. where are we now? <laughs> Last 45 minutes is all of that. Jesse, have you seen Texas Chainsaw Part 2? I have not, but you were basically (laughs) describing the same feelings that you were about that apply to this movie, too. You're like, well, I guess this is happening now. So just remember. 100%. Yeah, it it is. And it's really kind of a trick that you can only really get away with in horror because if uh-huh. if if you have a movie that's you know like a rom com that you're having that thought like well I guess this is happening now you're gonna hate yep. it but yep. horror kind of you're going into a horror movie with a different expectation than with any other type of movie so it's like totally. if I can get scared at the expense of the plot I'm okay with that you know you just exactly. can't do that with other movies so right. So, Jesse, check out Texas Chainsaw Part 2. If you like this one, you're, you're going to enjoy it. Okay. Yeah. It's, it's fun. It's, it's just really fun. <laughs> it's really fun. It's just insane. It is, it is so insane. From, from go, it is yeah. crazy. That opening scene, Jamie, with the, with like the, the bros in the car. Yes. Oh. <laughs> if I you got to watch it, Jesse. You, you got to watch it. Yeah. Duly noted. I have a <laughs> New Year's, my New Year's resolution, and I'm so glad I'm about to say this on a podcast where everybody can hear it and take advantage of it. Um, my mm-hmm. New Year's ex, uh, resolution is I'm um, when people that I whose opinion I care about will recommend something to me, I'm gonna make a note of it so I don't just hear it and then with my horrible right. brain just immediately forget it. So I'm so I wrote it down. And I will at some point in time I will check it out. I, I I won't promise anybody that I will finish something you recommend, but I will at least give it a shot. So since this one you do have to finish because, like I said, like this one, it starts off strong, and if you just give up on it, you're going to miss the ride. <laughs> yeah, you don't want to jump off the ride too early. Like stay on the roller coaster. I almost I think the first time I watched this, I did almost jump off the ride at about 50 minutes in. Okay. okay. And I'm okay. really glad I did finish it. And I needed to sit with it for a while. Is it canon to I... the first one where I would need to know the events of the first one to be able to follow the second one? Or is a it... little bit. Yeah. Only because the one of the main characters is like basically on a vengeance mission. Okay. Yeah. But you could probably just read a synopsis and be good. I was gonna say, if you just have an if you just have a basis of what the first one is, then I think you'll be able to yeah. get through it. And know your characters, and that's really it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Yep. Um, yeah, so Bill Mosley, you know, really, really started off with Texas Chainsaw Part Two, in my opinion. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. And he's done so many amazing horror films after that. Um, he also did the Texas Chainsaw from 2013. 
mm-hmm. uh, the 3D one, where he kind of reprised, they were trying to reprise the characters, but some of them had already passed, like Grandpa, so he was playing one of the ones that had already passed. A great little homage, right? Uh, he did Night of the Living Dead, the 1990 version with Tony Todd. Mm-hmm. He yep. did Silent Night, Deadly Night Part 3. Mm-hmm. He did an episode from Season 1 of Freddy's Nightmares. Nice. I really do love the blob from ninety from 88. I do too. Mm-hmm. And he was also in Death House as well. Mm-hmm. Have you guys seen Death House? I have not seen Death House. No. I've not seen that one. Watch it at some point. This is more directed towards Jamie because I know Jesse's has a, a long watch list too. <laughs> and I don't know I if I want to waste this time on that, but this one gets such a mixed reviews where some people just love it and some people really hate it. And I'm kind of in the middle where I see both sides. Mm-hmm. So I really like to gather opinions from other people and know why they either really hated it or really loved it. Mm-hmm. All right. I got it on my list. I'm going to, yeah. I'll tell you if I loved it yeah. or hated it. Because it does have a all-star cast of horror greats, including the original uh, Leatherface. Oh, cool. uh, Gunner. Yeah. Uh, this was actually his brainchild. Oh, so, wow. Yes, yes, yes. So it's very interesting. Um, I always love to know what people think about it. So this is to the listeners. Please write in and let us know what you thought about Death House. Um, he also made a short student film that helped him get the role as Chop Top in Texas Chainsaw Massacre Part 2. Do you all know that? I did. I just saw something about this recently. Yeah. yeah. He called it the Texas Chainsaw Manicure. Yeah. <laughs> uh. Where he was playing the hitchhiker role from part one. And oh. somehow the video made it over to Toby Hooper and loved it and said, hey, who played the hitchhiker? And he's like, well, that was me. Yep. And there you go. So, yeah. Um, we have Sherry Moon Zombie who plays Baby. I love her, though. Like, we talked about her a lot in the 31 episode. Yep. Mm -hmm. Right? Yep. She's so fun. She's so, so fun. fun. I like her voice and her look, and she's very fun. I think she's very cute. Oh, totally. Yeah. Yeah. Like, I I know that supposedly, and I this is literally just handed down information that I heard from the media sources, but supposedly there was people were kind of raising eyebrows that she was always getting cast as one of the main characters in all of Rob Zombie's movies. But the thing is, she's not bad in anything that she does. I mean, she, she, she's a little, you know, kooky and over the top when she plays her character, but that's not, that's not necessarily a bad thing. I mean, I, 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 I liked her in this movie, especially because she plays, she plays the unhinged character very well, and it's kind of so it's kind of like I was like legitimately afraid of like crossing paths with her in real life because I'm like you you are very disconnected with the world right now. She she was selling that character very well, like it it was kind of freaking me out um, how real it felt. Like it felt like she was just just I don't know, it's just what I do. So yeah, yeah. Um, I'm just being me. Right. <laughs> I thought she was very, very good and gave a very powerful performance in the Lords of Salem. I was going to bring up Lords of Salem. I loved her in that. Yes, it's a 
uh, Jesse, if you haven't seen it, it's more of a dramatic role. Okay. Mm-hmm. I, Where, yeah, I saw I saw Devil's Rejects. I did not see Lords of Salem, though. That's yeah. on my list. Lords of Salem is not related. It doesn't have the same characters in it like Rejects does. And she starts off as kind of a solid, stable individual, the character. Mm-hmm. And then she slowly starts to go insane. Yep. Okay. And she plays that unraveling, the subtle unraveling, very well. Yeah, she does. Okay. Right. She and nailed it. It's the kind of performance where you're like, oh, no. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right? No. Yeah. You're like, no, baby, no. Oh. <laughs> yeah. Baby. But again, like with this movie and like a lot of Rob Zombie movies, at about an hour in, I'm like, what? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, pretty much. <laughs> what? Especially the last 10 minutes. I'm like, yeah. Hmm. You, yeah had, okay. you, you totally had me until you lost me. Yeah. <laughs> now um, you have me running around in circles trying to figure out where I am, what just happened. It's true. <laughs> it's true, but yeah, I like Lords of Salem a lot more than I used to. I had to sit with that one for a while and grow on it. I've only seen it a couple times. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Jesse mentioned earlier um, Dennis Fimple, who played Grandpa. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. He wasn't that old when he passed. He was only 61. Oh, wow. Yeah. I think he died before the movie was officially released, too. It was the same year, but I don't know if it was before it was released. He died in 2002. And he, ironically, um, I read that he was sick. But ironically, he died in a uh, car accident. Aw. So... From Taft. We mentioned Taft in the episode that Christy and I talked about. Um, Night of the Comet. Oh, I love Night of the Comet. When we covered Night of the Comet, Comet, uh, there's a line in the um, movie where, you know, the two girls are talking about this new guy in school, and but he's from Taft. Oh, yeah. And I remember that now. I know Taft. <laughs> Taft is is not too far away from Bakersfield. I know Taft. <laughs> anyway, he died in Taft oh. <laughs> in an accident. <laughs> but I mean, he did a lot of stuff early. He did King Kong, yeah. Roots, Maverick, and so many shows from 1968 on. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, Tiny, the actor who plays Tiny, Matthew McGregory. He was real young. He was only 32 years old. Oh, my gosh. Yes. And... My age. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. And... Well, he had gigantism. He so. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he had a pre-existing condition. His list, his cause of death is listed as natural causes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's... And, that's terrible, too, because, like, yeah, people with that, with that affliction, like, they never... They, I don't think they ever really get the forty. Like it's just not something that the yeah. body is capable of dealing with, and that's such a such a tragedy. But, it is short life, yeah. Yeah, and it, it it's it's a short life, but it's a life long enough to where like you can really make a lot of inroads and networks and and connections. Totally, and totally. So, yeah, no, it's that's a that's just a terrible thing to be born with. But anyway, totally right. But he left a legacy. Oh um, yeah. Horror, as well as other things. He did Men in Black Part 2, uh, The Dead Hate the Living, Big Fish, Charmed, Carnival, 
Constantine. And this is a movie I want to cover. It's called The Evil Within. I haven't seen that one. You know, it didn't come out till 2017. But so he obviously filmed his scenes a very long time ago, and this movie, movie was obviously done over many, many years. And it has um, Michael Berryman in it, and Ina Meyer, and Sean Patrick Flannery. Mm-hmm. And it's really good cinematography wise. It's cool. beautiful. It's a beautiful movie. The story, crazy, a little weird, but. It's a beautifully shot movie, so we should definitely cover that mm-hmm. point. Put it on the list. Mm-hmm. It's on the Tubi. Check it out, everybody. Uh, Aaron Daniels plays Denise. I think the only thing I had actually been familiar with uh, in seeing her in is the L word and one hour photo with Robin Williams. Same. I kind of like peeked over her movies and stuff she's been into, and I recognized her from the L word and one hour photo. Yeah, that's about it. Um, there was a show called Jack and Jill, which I think I saw, but I remember seeing the promo for it, but I didn't really pay much attention because I have no idea who she was. (laughs) Yeah, I've never seen that or heard of it. Uh, the other girl, Mary, uh, played by Jennifer Knowles, was in Deep Impact, the Drew Carey show, ER, and American Horror Story season one, my favorite season. Oh, episode three. Okay. So she's done a little bit. Um, Chris Hardwick plays Jerry. Mm-hmm. I'd Oops. seen him in Guys Like Us, Terminator 3, Halloween Part 2, and Back at the Barnyard. But other than that, I've really not seen much of what he's done, but I love him in this role. Me he, too. He was the host of uh, the, the Walking Dead after show. Um, when it was on The Talking Dead, so um, that's how that's how that was his big. That's how like he became very well known was through that. Um, especially like especially during the peak years when Walking Dead was like everybody's huge everybody's watch list. So yeah, was that on TV? Was it like television? Yeah. It was, so or? basically, after after an episode would air on AMC, um, there would be an immediate after show where he would host it, and it was a live audience, and there was a couple members of the cast that. I don't. Uh, sometimes they would talk about the episode that they just watched, or they just talk about you know the character that the actor's playing, or just it was kind of just kind of an open session kind of thing. I I've only caught like the odd one or two, but so I've I because I didn't have cable. It was only when I was at a right. friend's house watching it live. I always get them after the fact, but but yeah, that's. And I, I wasn't really familiar with him or his work. Like I'm sure I've seen him, but I didn't know that it was him. But then when I look back, I'm like, oh yeah, he does look familiar when I saw his like current face. But yeah, um, but that's how I, I when I was looking up the characters, I was like, oh yeah, he was the guy from Walking, uh, Talking Dead. So all right, Talking Dead, Walking Dead. I like the name though. That's brilliant. Yeah, <laughs> I know that's cute. That's they so did good. the same thing with Breaking Bad called Talking Bad. So you know. They didn't have a lot. They didn't have a lot of ideas for the name of that show. So just talking (laughs) half the show name. (laughs) That's a good name for a podcast, right? Right. Yeah. (laughs) I'm surprised. I'm sure it's been done. I'm sure it's been done. (laughs) Okay, Rain Wilson. When I saw this movie, I knew who this guy was. 
So mm-hmm. he's uh, probably one of the only ones I actually, aside from Bill Mosley and Sid Haig, actually knew who they were. Oh, yeah. And he's, uh, he'd been in tons of stuff. Right. And Jesse mentioned The Office. I think that's how most people remember him. Yep. Well, he was huge. Well, I wouldn't say he was huge. He was in Galaxy Quest um, in 99. Yeah, I love Galaxy Quest. Me too. I wrote Galaxy Quest down. I love that movie. <laughs> it's so goofy and good. The cast is so awesome, too. The whole that cast is, is great. That is a brilliant movie. Um, just yeah. if, if, if you have any, any fandom towards sci-fi in general watch this movie that's all yeah, the thing is i don't even have a fandom towards sci-fi at all but i have a fandom towards conventions and b-list celebrities right yeah it's, it's so, I mean, all the humor that. it's all meta humor <laughs> that's why i love that movie so much is that it's all um like meta fourth wall style humor and it's it's i love when it's it's a different it's a different angle i at at the whole at the whole uh, genre and everything, and it it just breaks down barriers and it normalizes like fantastic behavior. So it's it's yeah. great. It's 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 just a great great and and plus it has Alan Rickman in it. And I mean, I was on. just gonna say Alan Rickman. He's so awesome. I love him in like everything, but I love I love him in Galaxy. Pretty yeah. much. Yeah. Oh, he was so good. Every I mean, the whole cast was amazing mm-hmm. in Galaxy Quest, and some of them I was very very familiar with. Um, like of course you know Tim Allen and stuff he's your your headliner and Sigourney Weaver but some of them I was familiar with but I'd never seen them play a role like this like the Enrico Colantoni role I was like well this is new because he was already like on Just Shoot Me and stuff and I'm like oh this is very interesting and he's a very good actor he's not just the funny guy he's good you know yeah that was uh, in 99 that was, that was 22 years ago wow. I went to the theater for Galaxy Quest it was a gift. Uh, uh, we, um, my sister Sarah were uh, we were given um, you know passes, movie tickets, whatever to see a movie, any movie um, for Christmas and, or birthdays or whatever, and we chose that movie to go to. So yeah, <laughs> well chosen. Good it was pick. A, it was a good time, and maybe that's part of my love for it is the experience of going to see it. Yeah, I can see that. Um, Oh, I loved him also in America's Sweethearts. Okay. Oh, uh-huh. Yeah. yeah. Uh, cute, cute rom-com. And the comedy The Rocker was good. It is funny. That mm-hmm. one made me laugh a lot. I finally, I say finally, like, it took forever. It took a week, okay? It didn't take forever. It took a week to get through eight seasons of Entourage. And he was in that, too. <laughs> Oh, okay. So that is still like fresh in my brain because we we finished all the seasons and the movie in like eight days. <laughs> oh, wow. Yeah, no wonder it's in your brain right now. I <laughs> know. Yeah, and I'm not sorry I did it at all. Nor should no, you. But, no, Rain Wilson, so good. So, so, so fun. Um, yeah, Walton Goggins is another one of those guys who I had a fandom for before. I saw this, but he was like 90210 and the next Karate Kid and Forever Young and all these movies and shows I grew up with in then later on, like The Born Identity and 1998's Major League. 
Oh, and yeah. Then he, yes, he also did his Quentin Tarantino movies, The Hateful Eight, mm-hmm. and Django Unchained. Um, did Lincoln, which was very good, and Cowboys and Aliens. That was fun. Mm-hmm. Predators, also fun. And... Recently, he's been in The Unicorn with Natalie Z from uh, The Following and from Passions. I haven't seen it, but there was I saw the preview for it on Netflix. Yeah. Yeah. He's a cutie. He's adorable. And he's so talented. He's so fun. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And like I said, his death scene. Wow. Yeah. Just wow. (laughs) Um, Matthew Pollard. Also passed away in 2019 with Sid. Mm-hmm. I just saw him over the holidays in Scrooged. Oh. Yes. And, and remind us who Matthew Pollard played. Uh, Stucky. In the convenience store. Oh, really? Oh, uh-huh. Okay. Yeah. So he's in Scrooged. And he was in American Gothic, which okay. I love that movie. It's freaky as fuck, but I love it. Um, Roxanne, Dick Tracy, Tales from the Crypt, Season 5, Episode 10, the one with Perry King and Brooke Shields. It's a fun episode. And the horror fans, the B horror fans, know and love him from Sleepaway Camp Part 3. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> we love some Sleepaway Camp Part yeah. 3. He was, he was also the same age as Sid Haig. They were both 80. Oh, wow. Oh, that guy. Oh, that dude. He's the guy was very young. Okay. <laughs> he's the guy who's pushing the murder ride, right? Is that no, what he's the about? old guy. He's the old guy when oh, the when oh. the two guys are about to rob the gas station. Says, I recognize you. Uh-huh. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> no. No. Um that's about all I have for for cast. I mean, there's so many other cast members, and I could spend all day on them, but those are the notable ones for me. Mm-hmm. Do any of you have anything else to add? For the cast? No, I think you covered it rather well. Yeah. Good. All right. Cool. They, they did a good job together. Oh, I... they did a great job together. And as we have said, Jamie, they obviously are easy to work with mm-hmm. together yeah. because they just keep getting recast and recast and recast in the same projects. Yeah. So obviously it's a winning winning combination. It's a winning team, yep. Mm-hmm. So how about some fashion? Young, hot, and an attitude that says who cares? It's only fashion. That Hansel's so hot right now. Oh boy. There is a lot of fashion I liked in this movie. I have a lot of notes on this one. I have a lot of picks on this one, you guys, on multiple categories. Um, okay. I obviously really like Spalding's clown outfit in the beginning. It's really good. Um, good. I also really like, these are my runner-ups. I also really like babies. Um, she wears these like pink pants and this open like pink pale kind of blouse when they first get to the house. Mm-hmm. I really like that. But my favorite look is um, Denise's, the little kind of like doll kind of look she's in when she wakes up and Tiny's there eating cereal or whatever. (laughs) It's like a little blue dress and like socks and her makeup is like really white and she has the super blue eyeshadow and then 
when everything happens in the end, she gets torn out of the ra- the rabbit thing gets torn off of her, and it's still there. I that's the look. I really love like the kind of dolly little look that she's put in. Yep. Yeah. That I turned that I turned that scene into a meme once, a work meme where I just used her her dialogue. I'm just gonna go home now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's good. <laughs> yep. Yep. I'm just gonna go home now. <laughs> how i feel um well mine was i only had a few notes but i think i'm going to pick baby's talent show gown i liked that one too oh yeah yeah Yeah. i've always i've always liked that entire scene Mm -hmm. next to the walton goggins kill that is my favorite scene it's really good. There was some. Yeah. There was a weirdness, and I when I say weirdness, I mean it was probably intentionally made to be weird. But there was a weirdness about that scene when she's performing because she's lip syncing to uh, oh crap, I can't think of her name now. Who was depicted by Betty Boop as a cartoon character, and I cannot think of her name. But anyway, um, Helen Kane. Helen Kane, thank you, and. Um, so she's lip syncing a really old Helen Kane song, and which is weird because she's not performing, but she's performing for people who are just stragglers who just happened upon this house that wasn't pre-planned. But she had obviously rehearsed that, so it's so weird because I always I thought to myself, would that show have happened if they didn't, you know, pick her up in the car if they just drove on past? Like, no, I'm picking you up, like. That's there's there's a section. I'm, I'm going to put it this way. There's a section of my notes that say that are just under things that make the movie feel planned, and uh-huh. that's one of like who are they performing for? Like like if these people didn't accidentally have their car break down and have you know the dude shoot the tire out, would they have had this? Is that why that she is that why she was out hitchhiking? It was because like we had done all this rehearsal and all this prep. We need an audience, so we need to like do this Get whole somebody. thing. Yeah. yeah. So let's hope somebody goes to the gas station and somebody asks for directions to the Satan house, and I'll be outside in the rain waiting for this to happen. So anyway. well, I think they may have done the talent show anyway. Audiencelessness. Just prop the dolls up. And that's your audience because it was Halloween Eve and to them it was special to quote. True. That is true. (laughs) True. But was any, but my point is because Karen Black was uh, running in the lights and Mm -hmm. then you had grandpa and, um, and um, the, oh, and, and, and baby performing and then you have Otis and Tiny waiting outside for their big moment to like take them back in. That's another weird part of the movie where you just have to just let it happen is that yeah. they fixed the car even though they had no intention of letting them leave. So it's like, why right. even bother fixing the car? But um, maybe for just the for the chase. I guess, yeah. <laughs> well, the very short list. That's the point. They only drove like 100 yep. feet with the, with the oh, car. Oh, you don't want to yeah. risk losing them. <laughs> but you anyway, want to make them think they're going to get away. But honestly, they had so many other corpses, hence the title, right? In their home, both alive, yes, alive <laughs> and dead people that 
clearly they had ways of getting people if they really wanted a live audience. They just tie them up to a chair and make them watch. That's probably true. And I maybe we had them tied up to the bed and made her watch them doing makeup. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Well, yeah, because it was it was just it was just weird how that all played out. And I, again, it was it's. I'm not. I, I love the movie in spite of its flaws, but that was definitely a part where I was just like, oh, okie dokie. <laughs> <laughs> like I said, uh, just go with it. Exa- yep. Exactly, and it's and it's fine. It's it's totally it's fun. fun, and it is a fun sequence. And it was. Uh, I did appreciate what the 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 insanity. That I think that was Rob Zombie's whole point. It was just like it's supposed mm-hmm. to just you're constantly going to keep getting pulled in. A bunch mm-hmm. of directions. My fashion is very simple, and it's in one of the scenes that Jamie described, with um, um, when when Denise was tied to the bed, and Tiny came down in a shirt that I fucking need to own: the cheap ass Halloween costume T-shirt. I like that too. Favorite T-shirt, and I don't know why I don't own that yet because that is the best <laughs> T-shirt ever made in the history of time. That simply says cheap ass halloween costume that's it <laughs> agreed <laughs> i'm making a note because if i ever stumble upon one of these t-shirts you're getting a gift <laughs> Ab- well thank you that's absolutely yes. <laughs> i will be like you won't have to ask i'm not that I'm saying you have to buy me shit but if you did and you felt compelled yes i will absolutely wear that shirt every time we record so oh i am going to find this shirt for you. <laughs> oh yeah yeah, I'm on a mission now. <laughs> I'm going to find shirts. I'm going to find hats. But it's got to be. But it's got to be in Jamie's. Uh, well, in the in the in the kooky font where it's like the like the like the vampire. The, they look like like vampire letters where they kind of have like yeah. fangs at the bottom and that. Oh so, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Hey, you got, font talk. It can't just exactly. No way. It is a font talk right there. <laughs> font talk. Join me in my world of fonts. Oh, okay. Uh, best hair. This doesn't concern you, Lafleur. Not nearly as much as your hair does. That's for sure. Who's going? <laughs> also, um, I chose. Of course, it's all about baby. Baby's talent show wig. Yeah, it's very good. Yeah. Yeah. It's one yeah. of the few times that that any character's hair in the movie w- looked purposely done, and it mm-hmm. was um, mm-hmm. very good. So, yes. Yeah. I will say I liked Baby's hair overall, just like her mm-hmm. hair throughout the whole movie I really loved. But, um, I, you know, I think I'm actually going to go with uh, Otis's. It's, like, long and thin, and I kind of like it. I love it too. It's funny That's you said nice Otis. That was mine too. Was his hair? Because uh, his hair most of the movie is just hanging loose, and I don't even—I know it's a wig. It, it very likely could be a wig, um, but it's hanging very um, freely, and it's naturally wavy. But <laughs> toward the end of the movie, when they're just randomly performing a satanic ritual again, just go with it. Um, (laughs) he's dressed like this, like anti preacher where he's got the, um, that really cool, which would be my fashion moment were I not exposed to tiny's awesome t-shirt, but, um, but he has this like red, um, 
like kind of elegant, like vicar kind of, you know, clothing and his hair, and he's got face paint on and got a cross on his forehead. And his hair there is is straight. And it really like completed that image because if he had his hair looking normal in that scene, it would look kind of stupid. So yeah, the yeah. fact that his hair was the only time in the movie that it's straight is in that scene and it looks great. Mm-hmm. So that's my mm-hmm. hair moment. No. Um, agreed. Great hair. It is a wig. Uh, I read that he had to shave his head every time he played Otis. So oh. <laughs> all, three, all three times he had to shave his head to make the wig look good because it's a thinning wig. Right. So. Well, yeah. I feel his pain. Yes. And he still has a good head of hair. Oh, yeah, he does. I follow him on Instagram. I'm always yeah. looking. Yes. <laughs> so he still has a thick head of hair. So that's probably why he has to just shave it all off. So there's no bumps. But, yeah. yeah, yeah. So that's good hair. Um, prop we would like to own. Oh, this one was hard for me. I, I have a couple. I have a couple, but I think I have some favorites here. Um, obviously, mermaid fish boy Bill would be great to have setting somewhere in the house. It's gorgeous. Um, I'd have to put it in like a back room because I feel like you don't want to open with that when you like invite new people over or whatever, <laughs> when it's not COVID times, of course. But like, yeah, just in the back somewhere. But if I couldn't have that, I do really like Spalding's little bow tie with like the skull that he pulls and it goes like. Mm-hmm. And I also really like this is my favorite one of all. Um, when Tiny's down there with Denise, he has this bowl and he has this box of cereal and it's Agatha Krispies and I adore it and I fucking want it I don't know if I'd eat it because it looks really unappetizing as he's eating it but I love the box that totally reminded me in fourth grade we had a project where we had to design our own cereal box and oh, it, that's that was no. the whole project. And all you had to do was just take an existing cereal box and take some poster board and tape it up and just make your own cereal. And that I made like some kind of like like haunted house flakes or whatever. I don't know. It was oh. it was corny. I was ten years old. <laughs> but my point is is that that totally reminded me of that project because I'm like this is clearly like Agatha Krispies, you know. And so I love that too. I'm so glad you checked, yeah. chose that because that totally reminded me of that. That's amazing. That's so cute. I love that. <laughs> That's so amazing. Love it. Love it. Love it. My my prop is very easy. It's uh, toward the beginning. It's in the first scene of the movie when they're in Captain Spaulding's um, in his main lobby. And um, I forgot the who who did um, the other character's name? What was his name? The one with the glasses who we just talked about. Oh, Bill. Bill. No, yeah. wait. Fish boy? No, 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 no. Before they arrived in the opening, in the intro. Oh, yeah. Stucky. The... Yes. Stucky. Stucky. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, when he goes to use the bathroom and the bathroom key is a werewolf hand giving the middle finger. Absolutely yeah. want that prop. <laughs> I wrote that one down too in my initial notes. It was really fun. <laughs> okay. I'm real simple. Um, uh, okay. I really want your guys are gonna laugh. <laughs> I want a Captain Spaulding's fried chicken bucket. <laughs> nice. That's awesome. <laughs> and I want to display that proudly because anyone who's in the know would know exactly what this is. Oh yeah. Right? Because it just tastes so damn good. Mm-hmm. So that or I mean it's kind of a toss up. I would just love 
again, this like in our Jaws episode, completely not practical. The full size sign of Captain Spaulding's Museum of Monsters and Mad Men. Yeah, um, I really liked the signs. There's so many good signs in this movie. Oh, yeah. If I had a backyard, I would totally take that sign. <laughs> There's also a really beautiful like creature from the Black Lagoon post like bill- billboard or something in there in one scene. Mm-hmm. So great. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I think yeah. he had a um I think he had a bust too in inside mm-hmm. of the creature from the Black, Black Lagoon. Yeah. Yeah. So so amazing. All right, special effects. Um well, the special effects weren't as we kind of talked about before, a lot of <clears throat> a lot of the uh, kills kind of happened off screen, or at least like some of the some of the more intense final products of which. So there were definitely some special effects. Yeah, and toward the end, it, it almost felt like. I kind of felt like the the last like ten minutes of the movie was like Rob Zombie stumbling upon like a prop closet. Like, oh my god, we have all this shit still. We should totally mm-hmm. shove this in the movie because that's yeah. kind of how it feels at the end. We are just like, oh, like we're not going to expand on any of this. By the way, just just know that there's a totally working functioning system underground with people mm-hmm. in it. Just so you know. But we're oh, yeah. not going to expand on it. There's like bone <laughs> chandeliers and shit, and like I love the skulls. Yes, um, yes. I love the getting out the skulls on the top. It I... doesn't make any sense, but it's beautiful. <laughs> I absolutely love that first shot when Denise comes into the room after she's like panicked and running down the death corridors with all the bones, like gotta be like hundreds of thousands of bones like these are long corridors and she and she goes into this like big huge wooden door area and it's like a like a like a just a dysfunctional family living room like it's just like four people just watching a tiny little tv a little tube tv from the 70s and i just love that shot where it's kind of shot ironically where like you don't know if he's saying you should laugh at this or if you should be afraid because I was kind of feeling both sides of it depending on what mood I was in when I was watching it. When I mm-hmm. first watched it, I was like, all right, that's kind of freaky. But ever since then, I'm like, okay, this is kind of funny. I'm not going to lie. Just see people yeah. just sitting along a couch just with, with these weird, like, you know, prosthetics and and um, harnesses or whatever. Just uh-huh. <laughs> taped to their body or or bolted to their faces or whatever it was kind of great yeah you know there were some um there were some like kind of gore moments or special effect moments i really liked um i mean like so the dad like when his body his like skin body is there Mm -hmm. that's like pretty gnarly yeah um and then the whole like as we said the craftsmanship on that human that human body suit that otis made out of the dad is very nice very well done (laughs) Um, and then, hey, the, the other guy, um, when he's in that underground lair with Dr. Satan or whatever, I do like that he was just like a, a puddle of guts by that time. He yep. had like, some guts hanging out of him. Mm. Yep. So, you know, I liked that. Poor guy. I know. He'd was... really been put through the ringer at that point. <laughs> right. I, I, I kind of wondered how Jerry got 
all the way to the operating table as quickly as Same. he did. But because um, <laughs> like, did you did he find a shortcut to his own death? Because Denise was like in the hallway for a long time, and he's just I know, there. And he's there he's just quick, dead yeah. already. I'm like, oh, okay. <laughs> Jerry's the like underground passageways or shortcuts. <laughs> It's like a Scooby-Doo mysteries kind of situation where you pull on one of the arms of like the skeleton and then like, the wall like moves and then you're like, oh, hey, everybody's in here watching TV. It's great. And then you're like, oh, kidding. You're Dr. Right. Satan. <laughs> That's true. Oh, That's true. Dr. Satan. <laughs> oh, you're Dr. Satan. <laughs> and and there, uh, and there's zombies in this movie, which is kind of funny. I just love that. I- by the way, there's zombies in this movie. <laughs> well, you know, named after the director, so <laughs> I just I just pictured I pictured Rob Zombie like as he's editing this scene where he's just thinking like of his audience is like, oh, by the way, zombies. <laughs> <I'm> like, yeah. <laughs> like when everything else has been totally, even though it's been very horrific in certain areas, it's been all within the realm of reality. Yeah. Like, it's all been something totally, that yeah. could happen. And then it's, uh, suddenly, no, there's zombies that live under the water, too. Just so you know. Yeah. <laughs> By the <Yep>. way. <laughs> As if things couldn't be any more worse for these people. Zombies. <laughs> got zombies down there. They're waiting to eat you. All you gotta do <laughs> is get a really old-fashioned top-loader 70s cassette player <laughs> With some demonic chance and just lower it down, and then zombies come. I mean, it's kind of great. He do loves those demonic chants, like mm. Salem's. What what what's that movie? Salem, Salem, uh, Lord, Lord of Salem. Salem. Yeah. It has yeah. There's a whole song record situation. There's a whole chant. There's a whole record chant going on in there. Yeah, so mm. that's kind of a thing. Um, I loved all of Otis's freaks of nature in his little room. Mm-hmm. Um, of course, we love the fish boy. Dr. Satan's whole look is interesting. Very. Yeah. Right. Um, I really, 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 really loved in Jamie. We kind of talked a little bit about this for Funhouse Massacre. Just the entire like murder ride and how that looked and right right and just like liked the the maze or the funhouse or whatever it was in the funhouse massacre i just loved how the murder ride looked so so much and so whoever was in charge of that uh putting that together is amazing yeah i was looking at all of our effects credits and people here you know there was there's a couple of interesting ones um the visual effects were done by the Howard Anderson Company. The whole company. Everyone listed was part of the company, which is great. Um, there are some people credited as effects techs and special effects makeup. You know your general stuff. But then we have Michael Burnett, who his credit was corpse body makeup. Nice. He was <laughs> responsible for the corpses, huh? Very important job he had <laughs> in this one. <laughs> Evidently. So he yeah. did. He was responsible for our corpses that we know and love so much. Great corpse work, sir. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> that could be said for both Michael and Mr. Zombie. <laughs> Great corpse work, sir. Great. Yeah. I admire your corpse work. <laughs> Good morrow, sir. I've uh, heard tales of your corpse work throughout the land. <laughs> <laughs> Oh my gosh. 
much? Yes. All right. Anything else on effects? No. No? Let's move on to music because the soundtrack is amazing. It's pretty cool. It's pretty fun. Yeah. It's it's mostly uh, his stuff, isn't it? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was going to say, yep. like, I, I feel like... I feel like this kind of, and I've never met the man, nor have I heard an interview that talked about his inspiration for making this movie. So this is literally just my feedback on what it feels like. But based on a lot of his shooting styles and the fact that he worked in his own music for the soundtrack, it Mm -hmm. felt like he was trying to make like a music video and then got inspired to like make a whole movie instead uh-huh. and as it was almost like i'm going to make an album with with these songs on it but i'm going to make i'm going to make a movie around it and there'll right. be little bits of it that can be kind of music video e or something it kind of feels like that in certain parts cuz he does take a lot of cinematic he he kind of throws everything at the wall as far as shooting styles and oh, yeah. you could kind of tell that he's just trying to like find himself and try and figure out what works and what doesn't work because you see a lot of tricks like he does the mirror shot more than once you know he does a truck zoom he does um the shot negative more than once Mm -hmm. uh triple takes he's done more than once i um and then the other thing he like he loves to do is do the whole when summer was describing her favorite kill he loves to do the music juxtaposition where he Mm -hmm. takes happy music and puts it against horrifying visuals loves Mm -hmm. to do that in his movies so um and 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 his liking to set things in the seventies, and it's probably just because he's got access to a lot of props from that era, so yeah. it makes it easy. Totally, yeah. And I'm sure it's a nostalgia. Oh, uh, totally, era yeah. Too for him, yeah. but um, what you were saying about the music video, in that it, it's kind of like, um, the the musical Mamma Mia. Where okay. they just took ABBA's songs and made uh-huh. a story around um, it. Right? Yeah. So that's, yeah, you're absolutely right. That, so that opening yeah, Rob- song is great. The, his, yeah. his house, it, it's called House of a Thousand Corpses. But yeah, yeah you know, it's, Yo. it gets stuck. That song will get stuck in my head if I even think about wanting to watch this movie. That's the first thing that'll play in my head is that song. Yeah. yeah. And, you know, I'm not a huge I'm not a huge Rob Zombie fan in general music-wise, but I do like some of his songs and I love that intro song so much. I love that song. I also like the music that's playing for the Run Rabbit scene. It's very like industrial um mm. and I dig that. And you know, there's some other fun a couple other fun songs sprinkled in like there's a Ramon song and I really like that whole scene. Um it's the song Now I Want to Sniff Some Glue and yes. it's yeah, I think it's the scene where Baby's like getting her makeup done, right? Or she's doing her makeup with the cheerleaders. Is mm-hmm. that right? There's, yeah. yeah, she's taunting one of the cheerleaders that's still alive, and then as the music swells, it pans over to a different cheerleader that's dead. So yeah, yeah, I love that scene, and I love the song for. I love the song choice right there too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah that, again, yeah, like like a like you know pioneers of the punk movement and now we're talking about this horrific act that we're you know putting it up against so yeah 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 um what what else i love the run rabbit run song also i really loved the pussy liquor song Mm -hmm. 
right? It just has a really nice beat to it. How does that sound out of context, listeners? <laughs> <laughs> right? You just have to know. If you know, you know. If you know, you know. Um, if you know, you know. And I already mentioned the I Remember You by Slim Whitman and I Want to Be Loved by You by Helen Kane. Mm-hmm. This one also had a really nice version of Brick House. It did. <laughs> With like a porn track and playing in the background almost. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Which I've always loved. And then let's go back to my hometown. Uh, we had some Buck Owens on the soundtrack too. Okay. Which was Who's Going to Mow Your Grass? Oh, mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. Where um, I, where in that where in the movie was that played? Um, it was in a scene with the dad. Okay, I think. Like toward the beginning when scene. she's when she's talking I, to him. You mean? I don't remember if it's in that one or if it's in the one where he's like, "Hey, my daughter never showed up." Okay, so it's, it's just somewhere it's somewhere the around there. I just always relate that song with him. So I really hope I'm right. Okay. But I think that's yeah. great. I'm trying to remember where it fell in. I remember the song. Right. I wrote down the words, but <laughs> I like I wrote down a couple of the words so I knew what it was, right. but I can't remember where exactly it was. Now I listen to this soundtrack more than I watch this movie. I have this one on the C D. Oh. And I've actually listened to the soundtrack way more than I've seen this movie. Mm-hmm. So it's really interesting to watch the movie because I I hear the music more than I do the actual movie. I gotcha. If that makes any sense at all. Oh, it totally yeah. does. Especially, yeah, I've that's happened to me before where I've seen a movie, liked the soundtrack, got the soundtrack, listened to the hell out of the soundtrack, and then when I went to watch the movie again, all I could hear were the songs whenever they were being used. So, no, I totally know what that's like. Right. Yeah. Um, this is not really music related, but it is like sound effects related. When she finds Dr. Satan with her, with the fella at the end... And there's this like audio track of all the past conversations they've had um, with Captain Spaulding Mm -hmm. and everyone just lightly playing in the background. It makes it really eerie. Yeah. So I really, really like that as well. But yeah, I like this. I don't even, I'm not even a Rob Zombie music fan, but I listened to the hell out of the soundtrack for some reason. I don't know why I like it so much. (laughs) that's solid yeah i mean i got into the movie because i was into his music and um i mean he wasn't like my favorite artist but he's definitely up there and i was like all right well we'll 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 just give it a shot maybe he's just gonna make a fun little horror movie and indeed he did but um but that was had i not been into his music i probably wouldn't have cared to watch this but i just liked him as an artist so i was like well we'll see how we can do for movies right like i said i just went in completely blind i was like i don't know what this is i'll watch it (laughs) well my friends from high school who were like you know you gotta watch this movie they were definitely like into rob zombie so i I think that's like kind of how i watched it too i'm not a huge fan of rob zombie's music but my friends were Hmm. yeah i was just like i don't know what this is let's watch it that's how i go into most movies Mm-hmm. Nowadays, no idea. Let's give it a try. That's how I've discovered my favorite movies. That's how I find the gems. Yeah, and that's how I find the worst movies I've ever seen as well. <laughs> uh, let's let's do the cinematography because you know it's so good. Yeah, um, 
Well, I kind of uh, I made my uh, comments in the last um, yeah. segment, but yeah, as just my my quick summary, and then I'll step aside for the rest of this is. Um, yeah, you could, like I said, you could tell that this was his first movie and that he was kind of trying out different tricks. And it, it kind of felt to me like he's like, I'm going to throw all these tricks in so that when I look back on it, I'm going to see what worked and what didn't work. But I'm not mm-hmm. going to know if it worked if I don't put it in here kind of thing. So, mm-hmm. but, um, and it was fine. It, it was just, it wasn't very consistent. And that's why no. I noticed it because it's like, you know, Putting all of the styles that he put in just seemed random as opposed to maybe sticking to like one or two of them at the most and, you know, kind of going around that. I mean, I think it came out fine, but you you could just kind of tell that he was still kind of figuring himself out at that point. Like, like what kind of, you know, what kind of director am I going to be, you know, kind of thing. Yep. I, t- I totally agree. There were points, there was some of it I really liked. Um, you know, like I like the side by side kind of shots where they're spalding, but then there's also like, like shots next to him, like mm-hmm. that kind of mirror look. Um, and, but like, you know, there's like a couple scenes where it's like the negative. So like the color is all. And like for that, it was like kind of jarring for me because I was like, we're just throwing that in there to see how it looks. And because we can. So, I mean, that's fine. This is the kind of movie it is, but. Right. That I, I wasn't huge on all the negatives like popping up, but um I love like we said earlier, I love that high shot of um of our dude who's about to get shot when it's all quiet. I love, love, love that shot. It's probably one of my favorite shots of the movie. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Yeah. And I, I really like the scene where um Denise is run- like kind of uh, you know I love my like hallway and corridor kind of uh-huh. shots. So I love that scene where mm-hmm. she's like running through that hallway of all of these like skeletons. I fucking love that scene. And I love the scene where she comes finally comes to the door. Mm-hmm. And yeah. Well, I was gonna say oh, the good. the truck zoom of the of that hallway when she first looks down that corridor and just sees how long that of of, of with all of these skeletons just completely packed along the walls. And that shot that was one of the first times that I saw really good, like where I saw a truck zoom and it wasn't like stunned ironically. And I was yeah. like, this is that, that was, that was a really good, that was one of my favorite moments, like an actual like, Oh shit moment that I had. Um, I thought that was shot very well. So that was very good. Yeah. Yep. Um, I s- broke down half of what Jamie said already. <laughs> so <laughs> we saw the same things. A few other things I did uh, enjoy was, during the talent show, the split screens that they just randomly threw in and changed up and changed the angles, and I like that a lot. It, I don't know why I liked it, but I did. It's weird. I think it just worked with the craziness of the situation. Mm-hmm. Um, I liked the um, the lighting inside of the house when, right when they get to the house they know that they're fucked um there's like a fireplace and that's your lighting you can see the flickering of the fire um reflecting off of their faces i like that a lot mm-hmm. and then i also really liked the um how the camera is looking at our uh four victims plus baby through the windshield of the car through the rain mm-hmm Oh, I found that enjoyable as well. I liked that too, actually. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I thought that was really nice. 
And uh, our cinematographers for this one was um, Alex Pappas and Tom Richmond. Tom Richmond also did Chopping Mall. Nice. Huh. Yes, nice. we, you know, this is the second time we've mentioned that episode that we did. Um, mm. Yeah, so he did Chopping Mall, and he also did one of the Amityville movies. And I actually like this one. It's called The Evil Escapes, and it stars Patty Duke. Okay. Oh, I don't think I've seen that one. Yeah, it was a made-for-TV movie, but I love it. Nice. I, saw it I saw it again recently, and I still love it. So it's not one of those ones where I saw it, and I'm like, it's really not that good after all. No, it's, it's good. I like it. I like it a lot. The Amityville series is really interesting after a while. They were really reaching. And they broke out of the Long Island area. And they just started like breaking off pieces of the house like a clock or something. And now mm -hmm. the clock or the lamp or whatever was given to somebody else maybe on the West Coast. And now yeah. they're having issues. Mm -hmm. So yeah. they, they were really, really reaching, trying to keep the Amityville name alive after <laughs> a while. And they made so many. I was going to say, there's a lot of those. So many. <laughs> and these were all regular movies before they went indie. Over the last 10 years, they've made so many indie Amityville movies. But mm -hmm. yeah, they've made so many movies that were mainstream back then. It was crazy. Totally. How about some epic lines? This is going to be totally epic. Ooh, guys, this, this I is have, so hard. I did narrow it down to just a couple, but it, I had so many lines written down at first. Like, I literally had to like dial it back a little bit because, like, <laughs> I was pausing frequently just in the first scene with Captain Spaulding. I was like, pause, 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 and I was like, I gotta be more selective about the quotes I'm writing down right now. I have anyway. <laughs> I didn't have quite two pages, but um, I'm wow. gonna give you a couple. Um, okay, well, I do really like, there is one point down in the, like, underground world where, like, Denise is kind of, like, figuring out what's going on, and Jer Jerry, is that his name? The guy? Okay. Jerry's Jerry the, yeah. Jerry's gone, but you just hear him in the background at one point say, um, it's eating me. Oh, <laughs> and I'm like, I love that. But um, I think my okay. And then I also really like in the beginning, um, Dwight uh, Bill is talking to Spalding about the book that they're doing, and he says, you know, why would anybody want to read? Why would anybody be interested in that or whatever? And he's like, you'd be surprised. And Captain Spalding says, son, look around. Would I be surprised? Who the hell want to read about all this horseshit anyway? You'd be surprised. Son, look around. Would I be surprised? <laughs> but my favorite of all is Baby taunting the cheerleaders. And she says, um, you ain't done fuck all to cheer me up since you got here. And then she said, give me a B, give me an A, give me a B, give me a Y. What's that spell? What's that spell? You're going to miss a good show tonight. That's your tough luck. I thought you kids were all about team spirit. I mean, you ain't done fuck all to cheer me up since you got here. Give me a B. Give me an A. Give me a B. Give me a Y. What's that spell? What's that 
baby. You're damn right. That's my favorite. <laughs> so good. How about you, Jesse? Um, well, I'm going to be a sneaky little producer and just say that what you listeners heard in the very beginning is one of my epic lines and we'll just oh. leave it at that um my favorite is probably just because it was well executed oh i'm sorry i have i have two more um so it's they're both great in their own way but completely different tones so i'll do the um I'll do the more serious one just because it's just want to get out of the way. And it was, but it was very well executed. Uh, so it was an Otis scene when they're um, gathered around the uh, dinner table, and Jerry kind of has. Jerry is a character that has no ability to read a room and has no uh-huh. ability. He's such to, a Jerry. Like he, he, it's he's like kind of being. He's he's starting his own fires, basically, like like with this with this movie. Like a lot of the shit that happens to them, like, is his fault, basically. Oh yeah. And um, the I I would actually go as far as to say that if Jerry weren't on that road trip, they would be fine. But yeah. um, <laughs> but that being said, his obsession with this lore about um Doctor Satan has got him um asking a lot of probing questions to people who might be in the know about it and they're around the table and and he keeps asking like like well it's got to be real at least to some extent or whatever and and they're you know and they they keep like they keep deflecting it because it's like just just stop asking this question and he's he's yeah. like no and, and, and like grandpa's even like telling him like maybe maybe let's move on you know kind of thing and he goes <laughs> um and he's just like, no, I, I really want to know. And um, like, because Otis, because uh, Otis goes like, best you, best you leave here while your head is still filled with kitty cats and puppy dogs. And uh-huh. Jerry's like, well, I really would like to know. And Grandpa's like, hey, he says he wants to know. Like after he's clearly gonna lose this battle, uh, Grandpa's just uh-huh. like, enlighten him. And so then Otis goes, well, I bet you'd stick your head in a fire if I said you could see hell. Nah, I don't know. Who told you your fairy fables about Dr. Satan? We heard it from uh, Captain Spaulding up the road at him. <laughs> that old bitch hog don't know shit. Uh, he tells his cute little tattletale, sell his junk. He don't sell no Yankee boys, no truth. Yeah, but I mean, something happened, right? I mean, it had to be based on some real incident. What are you, Jimmy Olsen? Cub reporter for the Daily Asshole? Grandpa, watch your language. I don't think you really need to know. Better you leave here with your head still full of kitty cats and puppy dogs. <clears throat> well, I, I really would like to know. I mean, hey, he'd really like to know. Enlighten him! Well, I bet you'd stick your head in the fire if I told you you could see hell. Meanwhile, you're too stupid to realize you got a demon sticking out your ass singing, Holy Miss Moly, got, got me alive! <laughs> I love that line because it's kind of a go fuck yourself line, um, but it also makes a it makes a point that it's like 
the lore is kind of what keeps them allowed to well not allowed but allows them to get away with all of the horrendous things they've been doing is that you could chalk it up to this mysterious lore and when you have some wise ass just asking all these questions that it's it's almost just like he's just like there is no lore dude we're psychopaths like that's what it is so um but um but my favorite my my other favorite line totally different tone totally funny and just a great bonding line for like people who don't know each other was when again rain wilson is talking to spaulding and he was taking notes on the um his amusement park gas station angus goes um so how long have you been running this place like well how long is a piece of string? And he's like, uh, too damn long. Excuse me, sir? Howdy. Uh, I love this place. <laughs> how long have you been running this place? Well, uh, how long is a piece of string? Uh, I don't know. <laughs> too goddamn long, that's how long. <laughs> too goddamn long, that's right. That's right, I hear that. So yeah, like, love know. that line. It's so good, and it and it's such a great line for like a stranger to tell another stranger when you're just trying to just make small talk and make friendly. I love that so much. Oh my god, me too. <laughs> okay, guys, I'm I'm driving the struggle bus right now. I don't know what I want to pick. This is hard. There's a lot of good ones in there between like Spalding and Otis and well, actually all of them between all of them. There's just really good lines. Okay. So I'm just going to say this up front. I really love Spalding's television commercial. Yes. So when he says something along the lines that one minute in opens up the movie, you know exactly what you're about to get into when he says like blood, violence, freaks of nature. Yeah. Blood, violence, freaks of nature. Well, then come on down to Captain Spaulding's Museum of Monsters and Mad Men. <laughs> That's awesome, and it's a great way to start any movie. Oh like yeah, right. Um, I really love the scene in Spaulding's store where he's getting held up, mm-hmm. and dude says, "Don't move, or I'll blast a hole the size of a Kansas City watermelon through your ugly ass bozo face." just says what the fuck is that supposed to mean <laughs> Murray, fucking Moses, y'all get the fuck out of here clowny keep your paws where i can see yeah don't move i'll blast the holes of the size of a, a kansas city watermelon through your ugly ass bozo face what the fuck is that supposed to mean that whole scene is so brilliant right um and then he continues on well, I'll tell you what, Ski King, because <laughs> he's wearing a ski mask. Why don't you just take your mama home some fried chicken, and then I won't have to stuff my boot all up in your ass. <laughs> you miserable motherfucker. I ought to jump over this counter and bash your fucking balls in. All right, Pippi, hand over the cash box, and I might leave your brains inside your skull. Well, I'll tell you what, Ski King. Why don't you just take your mama home some chicken, and then I won't have to stuff my boot all up in your ass. Yeah. Oh, man. He's the best. <laughs> that, that posturing standoff was so delightful because of, like, 
dude, you have a gun and he's winning. Like, I don't know mm-hmm. how this is happening, but that was awesome. It's like you have the advantage. Two of you have guns and you are losing this um, encounter. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah, it's like that clown punked your guys' totally. asses like big time. <laughs> This has nothing to do with the movie, and I don't even like the line that much, but because we're the dolls of horror, I have to mention it. I probably have it written down because I thought of you, but (laughs) go for it. (laughs) When Baby is taking them home for the first time. Yep. And she says, these are all my dolls. (laughs) I literally wrote summer. That's my girl. Yeah. She's like, I used to like to chop their heads off and their arms and stick them up on the wall. These are all my dolls. I used to like chop their heads off and their arms and stick them up on the wall. <laughs> yep. Yeah. This is not <laughs> my favorite line, but we're the dolls of horror, so it has to be talked about. Yeah. Um, I mean, the rest I have, it's all Otis. This is an Otis fest right now in my head. Everything from, listen, you Malibu middle class Barbie piece of shit, I'm trying to work here. on summer break. Well, I ain't talking about no goddamn white socks with Mickey Mouse on one side and Donald Duck on the other. I ain't reading no funny books, mama. Our bodies come and go, but this blood is forever. <laughs> yeah, he was. that was actually in his, um, that line was in his audition tape because I did find that on, on YouTube a while back. And it oh, was fun. and it was great. Like you could tell, like the first time he read it, he's he he, he couldn't quite figure mm-hmm. out right off the bat. Like, what's this read? Like, am I uh-huh. am I angry or am I just uh-huh. frustrated? You know, like what's the tone here? But yeah, yeah. Bill Bill mostly was saying too. Like when he first kind of took the part, he was kind of like didn't quite know how to play him because he was like this tough guy. And he he was saying that when they shot the run rabbit scene is mm-hmm. really when he started to kind of like feel it and mm-hmm. like figure it out. And Rob Zombie had said something about like, um, you know, as long as your characters are cool, they can get away with anything. So he just wanted to make all the characters cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because if you're cool, you can get away with anything. You can get away with murder. You can get away with anything. Right. And, and he did a great job of basically – like he was a character who like the he was completely nonplussed by all the murder and gore and horrific things that they were doing and so it was so he did a really good job of making a character where like his frustration is you're making noise you the person i just kidnapped and who is like been like beaten within an inch of their life like you are being an inconvenience to me because I'm trying to work. <laughs> like it's so great, like how it's yeah. just so run of the mill for him for that character. He did an excellent job for that. Yeah, he's like I'm an artiste here. Okay, mm-hmm. I'm I, working, and I loved his mini monologue about the run rabbit run, where he says talks about hunting humans ain't nothing but nothing, and they all run like scared little rabbits, and then he just screams. And it's good. <laughs> he just wails, run, mm-hmm. rabbit, run, over and over again. 
Winner for Epic Line. It's an entire Otis monologue. Okay. At about, what, 21 minutes in. Where he's talking to some of his tied up victims, giving them a lecture. Because mm -hmm. apparently that's what they need right now. And this is just part of it, but we'll show you more of it in the clip. You and your sentimental minds are doing me no good. <laughs> And like Jesse just said, you are inconveniencing me right now. <laughs> I've brought you here for a reason, but unfortunately, you and your sentimental minds are doing me no good. My brain is frozen. How could I, being born of such uh, conventional stock, arrive a leader of the rebellion, an escapist, from a conformist world destined to find happiness only in that which cannot be explained. I brought you here for a reason, but unfortunately, you and your sentimental minds are doing me no good. My brain is frozen, locked. I have to break free from this culture of mechanical reproductions and the thick incrustations dying on the surface. Oh, Christ. <laughs> like, yeah, it really has you pulled in to the entire scene. And he's like locked. Like, you're like just so engrossed in what he's saying because of his delivery. And he's so intense. He's like, I have to break free. Um, I didn't even write this monologue down. I just wrote in my notes. So that's like just from memory. I just wrote Otis's monologue. I wrote nothing else. <laughs> so I was like, I just wrote the timestamp and the monologue. <laughs> yeah, it's good. It is I pretty, love it so much. It is pretty solid. And yeah, and and also for those of you who haven't seen this movie, don't care about the fact that we are spoiling it for you and want to go watch it after the fact, just know that the that whole cheerleader subplot does not get resolved. So um, oh, oh, they Never. like it sort of does in that I think they're all dead. But it's not made perfectly clear if that's true or not. It's kind of like, I think they're all dead, but right. not really. So, yeah. yeah. You're like, I'm 99.999% sure they're all dead. Right. But there's a point zero 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 one percent they're alive. And, and look, I am I am not a member of law enforcement, nor do I ever like think that I would ever have any you know skill in that area. But I do think it's interesting that going to a house in a remote location with the father of a missing girl, and with all of this talk about the cheerleaders being missing, and you send two dudes to investigate this house. Yeah, you got what you got, dude. <laughs> so <laughs> with the father of like, uh, like, why did they bring the father of this missing girl with them? Like, right. why did they? 
why would you ever do that? I know, I know. Like, like we're gonna, we're gonna, the father's gonna get transported to the house where her pos- where the possible body of her daughter is, if his daughter yes. is, and it's just like, nah, eh, that's fine. But because um, they needed a tie-in for the sequel. Well, that's yeah. True. Well, <laughs> and and I, you can't you can't make a skin suit with the father if the father's not there. So you got to get him there somehow. So it's just like, by the way, your daughter's in this house. Like, well, let me go to this house. Oh crap. I'm dead now. To achieve the skin suit scene, they needed to bring him along. Right. Yeah. Is what you're saying. Yeah. Pretty much. It made it, made it very easy for that part to take place. And you know that like that was, and it was, what I thought was even especially funny was that when he's coming down in the mask, uh, like Rob Zombie felt the need to remind you that, hey, this is the father's skin because they kept doing the quick like shot back and forth of like him and then the skin suit and then him and then the skin suit again. I'm like, yeah, I get it, Rob. I, I, I know what I'm looking at, <laughs> but thank you. <laughs> I have one more. I have a baby line. Mm-hmm. I'll fucking cut your tits off and shove them down your throat. Yes. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> oh, get off him. Get the fuck off him, you stupid fucking whore! Fucking slut! You shouldn't have done that. Oh, really? Are you gonna do something about it? Do something, motherfucker. Come on! I'll fucking cut your tits off and shove them down your throat! Baby, stop! Because I think I may have said that to somebody before, actually. Wow. I'm learning new things about you, Summer. <laughs> no time re- no time recently, but I'm pretty sure I was really mad at a customer one day. <laughs> <laughs> and you kept your job. That's great. Uh, yeah. Well, it was off the clock and out of uniform. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> Just a chance occurrence on the street. <laughs> and I don't, because no one sees you. They just see the uniform, right? Oh, of course. So I don't yeah. think anyone, I don't think this broad even knew who I was. <laughs> I said some other things before I said that, but I did steal that line. Thanks, Rob. Yeah, that's that's a pretty good. Uh, Very good. Yeah, there, there's Real life practical uses here. There's a lot of schoolyard level taunts in this movie, but um, yes. but they kind of they kind of work. You know, they're for what the movie is, they work fine. You know, they're yes. they're perfectly fine. Not just like taunts, but just like schoolyard level language. Like we like to get fucked up and do fucked up shit. Like right, mm-hmm. like. <laughs> Like that's not a line that's very naturally occur- like yeah that's true but you don't say it that definitively like, we like to get fucked up and do fucked up shit we are crazy I people I am wearing <laughs> I'm wearing pants where my ass is hanging out like I understand like this is a character <laughs> yeah. you're going for so I get it but oh. <laughs> this movie has some of the best quotables ever like mm-hmm. ever so. That's one reason why I learned to love it so much, even though it makes no sense at all. Half of the time, the the dialogue is genius. Oh yeah. Oh so, yeah. Really yeah fun. No. Like yeah. I said, especially Otis's dialogue. What? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's amazing. Amazing. All right. How well has this movie aged, Jamie? I think we talked about this actually in thirty one, and the fact that it takes place in the past helps it. Not to age terribly. Totally, now. like it looks like it's the seventies. It was the two thousand. So now, being in twenty twenty one right now, it could have been in the seventies, or it could have been five years ago. Who knows? 
Yeah. That is the one of the biggest advantages of mm-hmm. of shoot of making a movie that's set in the past for mm-hmm. that totally. question is if it aged well, it's like, well, we're already antiquating the setting. So it's basically how well did we capture the the setting as well mm-hmm. as we knew it at the time, which was at the time what, twenty five years ago, like twenty five mm-hmm. years in the past. And um I think they did I think they did quite well. I mean, they weren't really shoving sometimes um Rob Zombie likes to like shove the seventies in your face with some of the stuff. Yeah. He didn't really do that in this movie. It was it was it just anything that just happened to be a seventies thing was just it was just a byproduct of the scene. It it just felt natural, like, yeah, this is a house in the seventies and this is some of the shit you'd see. And that's mm-hmm. fine. And definitely you know, these, 70s fashion. These are some of the cars you'd see. You know, these are what people wore. You know, and then that's mm-hmm. and that's fine. And I, I thought, I thought his, um, his restraint in not being so like you know disco and bell bottoms and like all like he wasn't doing that. And I appreciated that more so because it was more natural. So Dan, so my answer to that question is it aged rather well because this movie could have been could have come out yesterday and it mm-hmm. still wouldn't feel like dated really yeah true and it has a good look to it like it, it has a good look so yeah it ages really really well mm-hmm. agreed okay the twist um is basically that she escapes to captain spalding to find out he's in on it yep yep i don't and know how i feel she, about it <laughs> that's a great yeah. final scene though you're like oh you're like, oh, but boy. She fought. She really oh, yeah. fucking, like, fought for her mm-hmm. life. And then you're like, you kind of have it in the back of your head that, like, no, that can't be it. This doesn't have a happy ending. Come on. Yeah. I can't. Right? Yeah. It's it's, it's good. It's, and based it's, on the way, and now this obviously could have just been, you know, a character within the character. But um, in the in the scene when they were... You know, at the dinner table um, before all the shit went down, um, Otis talks very poorly of of Captain Spaulding when they reference mm-hmm. him, and so mm-hmm. like, no, that could just be him, just you know, doing that for leaving them into a uh, false sense of security or whatever. Um, but my point is, is that it's kind of inconsistent with the end when it's like, oh, but they're but they work together. It's like, but did, but did they like like was that all a ruse? Because it has to be for that last part to make sense, and that's why I have issue with it. Is that it seemed like Captain Spaulding was just cashing in, like the the movie up until that point, up until the very mm-hmm. end, was your takeaway of the characters was like the Captain Spaulding was like, look. Shit happened. I happen to live near it. I'm gonna cash in on it. Like, yep. and yeah. and like, uh, Otis apparently made a lot of the props that were that were being you know displayed in the museum or whatever. But they don't really explore that like at all. Like, it, it's it's just something that they kind of hint at, sort of. But yeah. it's not yeah. it's not very out in the open. So my point is that he's just cashing in on a tourist opportunity to make money and he could still be himself and that's why he does it but yeah. um and it was handed down as he in the opening scene it was originally run by his dad but um but then like otis has a completely different motives where it's like i 
want I'm a psychopath and I'm killing people and I'm making crazy trophies out of them and stuff. So it's a weird like relationship that they have where like he uh Otis makes fun of Dr. Spaulding cashing in on everything like oh he's just trying to sell tours bullshit blah 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 but yet he makes the stuff for him yep. and they work together so it's just a, so that's why i have a problem with that last scene i have no problem with there being a twist ending in him right. spalding being secretly evil it just i was like what when when i saw the end and i just had more questions unfortunately when it ended well knowing what we know now with devil's rejects they were consistent with that relationship in which Otis and Spalding were constantly at each other's throats and baiting each other mm-hmm. um, throughout sure. the entire movie. Uh, yeah, even though they have, they're working together and they have a common goal, um, you know, to get away and we're about to get caught, they're, they're still fighting. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I was like, they're consistent. They they don't really get along, but there's a greater good. <laughs> I saw I saw the Devil's Rejects only one time. Um, I didn't like it as much as uh, House of a Thousand Corpses, only because like it's it's totally fine, but it's more of a it's more of a um, like a country thriller as opposed mm-hmm. to a actual horror movie. Yeah. Oh, I, I like agree. the Devil's Rejects way better than House of a Thousand Corpses, but it's not a horror movie. Yeah. Yeah, that's it's it's, I, it's a psychological thriller more than it's yes. a more than it's a horror movie. I don't even know if I would call it a thriller. I might call it a drama or a, a little action. It's I mean, it's so There's it's a few so there's a few tense different. moments in it, but um There's tense moments, but it's so different. Very. Um but I like it because you learned much more about the characters mm-hmm. and I think I like the story better too. I didn't. I, I definitely it made liked, more sense. <laughs> well, the story made m- way more sense. Like the story is infinitely better in uh, oh, yeah. in, um Devil's Rejects as far as just you know a, a plot that you could follow. But <laughs> as far as the actual elements, I don't remember a lot of the details. So I do. I did kind of recall that I appreciated that the characters were more fleshed out. As a result, yeah. but I don't. I didn't remember how that carried on from the um, from the ending, and I'm kind of surprised because I only saw that movie for the first time. I think it was like two years ago, and um, it was the only time that I saw it. Whereas I've seen this one so many times that I didn't get inspired to be like, well, I gotta find out what happens after this. But for some reason, when people were telling me that it was so much different, I think I was kind of afraid of disliking it that I avoided yeah. it for a sure. while. And then finally, I was like, well, it's just a movie. At the end of the day, if I don't like it, I don't like it. And I just watch it, and it turned out to be pretty good, but I understood why people said that. So this very long-winded way of me saying um, I did not remember that they had covered that in the other movie. And see how that only took like 10 seconds, or as opposed to I talked for about eight hours just a minute ago? Anyway. <laughs> yeah, watch it again. Um, my advice watch is watch it, it again watch them back you to idiot. back that's what I like to do I, I do like to watch them back to back because it's almost like Halloween it's, it's like almost the same time period I don't know how many yeah. days have passed but it basically takes place immediately after this so uh, I saw Devil's Rejects in the theater and I liked it a lot and I didn't go to the theater to watch it intentionally and I didn't know what I was watching at all. 
I did not know it was a sequel um, until I saw the credits. I it was on a date. We went to the theater. He picked a movie, and we went to the movie. It was very hot Fair. outside, and we just wanted some air conditioning. <laughs> sure. <laughs> what happened? It was Bakersfield. It was hot. So we went to the theater, saw the movie, and then I said to myself, within the first few frames, this has a very inside my head house of a thousand corpses texas chainsaw massacre feel uh-huh because the <laughs> like, remake oh, of wait. texas chainsaw had already come out mm-hmm. so i said this feels just like that so you pretty much nailed it there wow yeah, yeah. and then i saw tiny and i'm like huh like wait a minute <laughs> and then i saw you know otis and baby and captain spaulding and i went wait a second <laughs> i know those i know those psychos i'm like this is uh, okay, got it, got mm-hmm. it. Slow summer, got it, and yeah. But we definitely prefer um, that one to House of a Thousand Corpses, and that's one of the rare times you'll hear me say that about any sort of sequel. But yes, okay. Um, pacing on this movie. I mean, I think it's good. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. There aren't any. There are very few lulls at all, Mm-mm. if there are even any. So. And there, when there is a lull in action or gore or whatever, they fill it with comedy. <laughs> they do. <laughs> to keep you intrigued and interested. Exactly. So, oh, yeah, this- it moved along at, like, I feel like just the right pace. It was, like, the right length for a movie. Yeah, good stuff. It's, yeah. It, um, it was going to say, I was just going to say it was a little, um, in the beginning, it, it kind of starts off the teeniest bit slow um, when when they're waiting for the car to get fixed. But... The only real slow moment is there's only two real slow moments that I can think off the top of my head. The dinner scene um, before they do the show and then um, when they're doing the ceremony uh, when they're about to kill them as rabbits or whatever. um, (laughs) That kind of took a while to like play out when it was like like you, you get the point like very early on but it yeah. takes forever for it to finish but otherwise yeah no it was paced very well yeah um i think i'm gonna be so honest with you by the time i get to the rabbit scene i've already mentally checked out <laughs> because i really paid attention this time watching it for my notes and mm-hmm. i was like there were a lot of things i've never seen before and i've seen this movie a lot mm-hmm. yeah I think by the time I get to that madness, I've already mentally like checked out of the whole thing. <laughs> well, fair enough. Just, yeah. Just, well, just just because it's like I saw so many things I'd never seen before, and I've seen this movie a lot. So, <laughs> how come I miss this in my forty or fifty times previously viewing this movie? <laughs> Every time, what's wrong with me? <laughs> okay. Uh, Scary rating? I mean, Stranger Danger, guys. <laughs> I would say this movie does have a scariness. Like, I didn't, you know, for the longest time, I did not find this movie scary, but that's mainly because I've seen it so many times. But I'd say the first time I saw it, there were some there were some pretty tense, you know, parts. I would say it's, like, medium scary. Like, mm-hmm. like if you have no idea what you're about to get into... It can definitely catch you off guard. Um, yeah, 
But if you know Rob Zombie and you know how he loves like gratuitousness sometimes with some of his gore and stuff like that, if you're if you're if you have a little bit of a preparedness to it, then it's probably fine. But it can it could definitely catch you off guard. You're like, oh shit! Like I don't. Uh, there are parts where you will you will feel uneasy. He does a very good job of yeah. making you feel uncomfortable, like the whole movie. Yeah, there is one scene in particular I was like thought was pretty tense, and it's when they're leaving in the car, right? Mm-hmm. And then they're they have to, you know, um, Bill has to get out of the car to yes. open this gate. That scene I thought was actually fairly scary mm-hmm. because, like, the people in the car are watching this happen. There's all, like, the scarecrow kind of things there, and you know that it's not good. Mm-hmm. And just like uh, just like the girls in the back seat, kind of seeing this unfold and the friend Jerry trying to get out and do something to help Bill. Yep. And so I thought that scene was actually pretty tense and mm-hmm. scary. I mean, I don't get scared very easily, but, yeah, th- that one was kind of scary. And, well, that's like real life scary because there are yeah. real life psychos out there. Mm-hmm. Yes, yes. And, and it's that fear of like not knowing what to do and your friends are, you know, the people you love are getting attacked and like you you know that things are not going well for you. Like you know that it's <laughs> not going to go good and right. what do I do and how do I get out of this and how do I get my loved ones out of this? We're not going to. Like that's scary. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. the the um like so like half the half the group is outside and dead or or close to dead and <laughs> and then the other two are in the back seat so they can't even operate the car and like there were a couple times where I watch it and they're like they just lock the door and and then they just cower in there and I'm like what are you doing but then I think to myself well what what can they do like the gate mm-hmm. never got open so it's either go outside and join the two dead people or stay inside and hope that it plays out somewhat uh, favorably but those are your options so yeah it's it's so it's a legitimate dread you know like they're they're not playing like a dumb victim of a horror movie there's nothing for them to do they they, the the gate is locked and the psychopaths are out there so it's like i have no choice i have to just stay in here and your boyfriends are dead Mm -hmm. or almost captured your boyfriends are captured Yeah, That's and all, really all you have is yourself and your your friend, you know, with you. And so it's and yeah, you literally got two psychos banging on the doors and about to break the windows and fucking pull you out of the car. Like right. yeah. scary. Yeah. Agreed. Yep. So yeah, that part's scary. So yeah. Um overall movie rating. I will say, I think I'm going to give this one a seven. I really do enjoy this movie. It's not like one of my favorite favorites, but um, it's been a while since I've rewatched it and I loved rewatching it. So I'm going to give it a seven, maybe a seven and a half, a seven and um, a corpse, a seven and a thousand corpses. (laughs) I think seven is um, the perfect score to give this movie because it's um, the you're watching the movie because you want to have a fun horror movie experience. That's yeah. it. If you're watching it for quality story writing, you're going to be disappointed. So that's why I'm not giving it higher than a seven. But the fun factor absolutely makes up for it. So if you just want a delightful horror romp um, with Rob Zombie, like pitted against Rob Zombie music. This is a great fucking movie. So, uh, so yeah, oh, seven's yeah. a great score for for this movie. I I will concur. I'm gonna go a little less. I'm gonna go um, 
six and a doll stuck up on the wall. Huh. <laughs> um, I uh, actually went up on my score after breaking it down because I realized that it has a lot more fun for me than I thought it did, mm-hmm. uh, especially dialogue-wise. When I had two pages of dialogue, I said, I must like this movie a lot just for the dialogue's sake alone. <laughs> mm-hmm. And, you know, like I said, the cinematography on that one specific crane shot um, and all the other things in the cast, I went up from like a four to a six in it all. So, mm-hmm. wow. yeah, six is still not a bad rating. Like I said, this is not a movie I watch all the time, but this is one I might watch once a year. And we watch Devil's Rejects several times a year. Mm-hmm. But yeah, so this is definitely one that I do watch when I want to not think about anything and want to have some some chuckles with some clowns. Yeah. Yeah. If you want to do a little bit of clowning and corpsing around, this is a good <laughs> one. Clowning and corpsing around, huh? Clowning yep. and corpsing around. <laughs> I don't know. It just seems right, right to say it again. Like right, I'm writing it down and maybe a possible title. <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay, I got fun facts. Hooray. This is your opinion. It's a fact. Okay. So, there is more than one instance where you see posters for two missing boys um, in the background of this movie. And those are pictures of Rob Zombie and his brother as children. His brother is the lead singer of Power Man 5000, by the way. Oh, okay. Um, the only thing I know about Power Man 5000 is that they had a very interesting storyline on 90210. <laughs> it was really? Okay. Yes. 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 And that was a trivia question when I played 90210 trivia that I knew. <laughs> nice. Yes. Um, in 2014, Rob Zombie acknowledged this movie's as having a cult following, but he admitted to himself that he is not fond of it at all. Hmm, and he called the film uh, basically a mess. And he, all he sees is flaw upon flaw upon flaw. Again, that's a filmmaker looking at his movie. Totally. That's what you're going to see is everything is wrong. Yeah. And that kind of speaks to my theory before yeah. saying that he was trying all these different styles out to figure out you know things but without any real conviction in using all of them it was just like well let's just see if it works yep Mm -hmm. yep and i like that he's like it's a big mess because even he knows it yeah (laughs) right oh yeah it's 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 good to to like follow somebody who is a little humble about their work and just being like yeah look this is the first thing i've made i've made other movies i've improved my craft since then but this is mm-hmm. kind of garbage but i it's okay <laughs> it's okay if you like it i'm i'm fine with it yeah this is the origin story mm-hmm. of the firefly family exactly right exactly <laughs> um most of the cutaway scenes like otis torturing the cheerleaders were filmed in rob zombie's basement after filming it wrapped okay so, so those were all he, extra he's got a fun basement doesn't he <laughs> Uh, this was filmed in 2000, not released until 2003. Oh, it was filmed in 2000. Okay. I did not yeah, know but that. No one got to see it until 2003. Wow. Uh, 
the actual house is the same house used in the best little whorehouse in Texas from 1982. Okay. And it can be viewed on the Universal Studios Teramaride. Uh Also, Universal Studios refused to stop running the trams when they were filming. So they had to work their shoots around the constant rotation of every half an hour a tour bus coming through essentially wow <laughs> that must have sucked i know they're like hey we're filming a movie here and they're like yeah but we got tram tickets to sell so you're just mm-hmm. gonna have to work around that right that's kind Sorry, of funny yeah. too because that one shot going back to that shot that um that we all love with um uh Grogan's character getting shot with a very far back zoom like that's a really pulled back zoom out so if that's you know in the center of a uh you know a ride or whatever a tram um they did a good job of you know it was it's almost like if they zoomed out like just another inch you would see Mm -hmm. like the the reality like completely break down like you'd see tourists in a bus and shit like that it was just one (laughs) this was the farthest out we could get zoomed out while it still looked like the magic of the movie and that's so what universal is it's so amazing Mm-hmm. It's so, so fun. Um, let's see here. Toby Hooper is a fan of this film. Again, there's like a, the Texas Chainsaw Massacre homage is pretty like evident to me. Yes. And mm-hmm. as a result of this film, he offered Sherry Moon Zombie the role in the Toolbox Murders from oh. 2004. And we talked about that film I like it a lot. We talked about that one when we did our 31 episode. Mm-hmm. Um, the man who reads the news about the missing cheerleaders is Bill Mosley. Oh, okay. <laughs> okay. You oh, you mean in that, in that really cheap uh, news set? <laughs> yep. <laughs> the 7 o'clock news. Mm-hmm. I didn't really even notice that. That's awesome. I, I, I totally have to look for that now because I know exactly what you're talking about. Uh-huh. Yeah, yeah. A scene that was cut in the robbery scene in the beginning and the scene that's cut is when Spalding presses a panic button um, to alert Ravelli of trouble. And so that's why he like spontaneously bursts in to save the day. They cut the entire scene where he was alerted to it. So they did explain it. I'm surprised they cut that out because how long does it take to shoot somebody like a reaction shot of him pushing a button, you know, unless he thought that that... Maybe it made it less like horror-y if if it wasn't just spontaneous out of nowhere or whatever. But I always wondered that. I'm like, how did the di- how did the guy know? Like, now's the yeah. time to come in and and you know, right. win the moment. Just, right. Oh, there's trouble out there. Right. <laughs> yeah. Um. As Harrison Young's character looks out the window at the children trick or treating, you can see the house used in the original Munsters. Oh, oh nice. and they've watched the Munsters. Grandpa noticed watched the Munsters <laughs> at one point. Yes, yeah. and his house was used for Leave It to Beaver. <laughs> Originally, Grandpa Hugo was going to be the Mad Doctor. Oh, oh really? Okay. That was going to be a plot twist. Like, oh, re- uh huh. I'm kind of glad that they didn't go with that, even though at the same time they didn't really answer the question, like who is Doctor Satan? Just 
they really did not. Just that. Not at just, all. All that all they confirmed was that he's real and alive, which is cool, but you don't know anything else. <laughs> like, how is he kept is he, alive? How long ago is was he? Really? Is he like? Yeah, it's like what? All right. Uh, hey. All right. He's underground. He's there. There's zombies. It's a thing. And I don't know if you. Um, this is a slight uh, subject change, but I don't know if you have this in your uh, fun facts. But um, I did appreciate. Rob Zombie style of using uh, the presentation of the movie as a, like a meta presentation with like the Wolfman or whatever, whatever he was called. Um, the character in the Wolfenstein. Wolfenstein. Wolfenstein, Dr. Wolfenstein. It's like not Wolfman, um, Dr. Wolfenstein. And that's copyrighted um, Wolfman. <laughs> oh no. <laughs> right. Um, but yeah, no, the Dr. Wolfenstein character that was, we were just talking about it a few weeks ago, is very similar to uh, the whole Son of Svenguli character. Mm-hmm. The same thing, where he was just this kooky character on a TV set that would introduce you to a movie. And the fact that he did that for this movie, it has, it has nothing else to do with the movie whatsoever. It's just there, and it's great. Yep. I love that that's there. Yep. Yeah. Uh, Sid Haig wasn't the first choice, or rather, he beat out two other people for this role that were that almost could have gotten it, and that was John Polito and Red West. Hmm. I am so relieved that they got Sid. Well, considering what a performance he did, absolutely. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And I believe it, it revived his, his career and gave yeah. him an entirely new fan base. I was going to say a whole new audience that had never probably didn't even know Sid Haig before this. Yes, because was, guess what? In love with him after and that. Like, a much more loyal audience because guess what? When he died, the only people I heard talking about it were the horror people. Mm-hmm. And even though my husband was like, no, he had much more of a following in this. And I'm like, not anymore. I don't think so. Because I'm not hearing anyone mention these movies. I'm only hearing horror projects. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. And not just this, not just the Rob Zombie stuff, but I'm only hearing them talk about the horror stuff. He, he so. definitely, he definitely hooked me into definite. Like I'm definitely finishing this movie from that intro. Like mm-hmm. I went into it, I went into it a little hesitant because I'm like, I don't know if this, like maybe Rob Zombie has no idea how to make a movie. Um, I had no idea, but I wanted to give it a shot, and I'm like. But I'm going to be a little cautious because maybe this is going to be terrible and we'll find out. But that opening, that when said intros uh, ended and then it um, then it just kind of like his whole um, the mystique kind of peels away. And the I absolutely love that when the when the characters, the, the traveling kids uh, get to his thing, he's he doesn't care about the showmanship anymore that he's just wearing a t-shirt with a hot dog on it and i just mm-hmm. love that that's just like yeah no i i only perform when i want to perform and that's fine and it just really pulled me in his his just i don't give a shit about any of you i'm just here this is my life so yeah. <laughs> anyway. and i love in that scene when he comes out to the cops with the hot dog shirt whatever thread he made which i did not write down because i wrote down too many things was mm-hmm. awesome before you knew he was talking to cops, mm-hmm. it's like, listen here. Oh yes, yes. <laughs> yeah, you ring that like, bell oh, again. Yeah, hi. exactly. Yeah. Hello. I ain't fired up the bird yet. That's what you've been reading yeah. and about. <laughs> <laughs> something like that, right? Yeah, yeah. He said something like that. Yeah. 
His um, his confidence dealing with the police is quite delightful. Um, it is, yeah. especially when when an extremely serious delivery of "I want you to think real hard," and he just like very sarcastically taps his head. Well, I don't mm, rightly know. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> it's just so great because it's like, what are it you going to do? Arrest me for being a smartass? Yeah. So. Right. <laughs> well, I got written up several times at my old job for being a smartass. Like, I got written up for being sarcastic at least three times. Oh, <laughs> And then I got written up for when I got called to the back room to receive a write-up. I assumed, because it was pattern. I turned to my coworker, Earl, who was very Captain Spaulding-esque in his um, sarcasm. Well, I guess I'm getting another write-up. I got written up for saying that! <laughs> oh. <laughs> oh my god. Right, like it was so bogus. And so that was my AT&T job, yo. <laughs> wow. Well, yeah. you answered a lot of questions right there. <laughs> it didn't work for AT&T. We were contracted through another ah. company. So we were contracted to do tech support through a different company. So it's not like AT&T had any control because they're union. So I would have been fine if I worked for AT&T. But I worked for this bogus little company who could do whatever they want. <laughs> anyway. Moving on. My point is sarcasm can get you in trouble. <laughs> it can. Mm. Even if it's harmless. <laughs> it's like, yep, yeah, because I got in trouble a lot. <laughs> All right. Let's talk. I'm going to bring this up because I brought it up for our thing episode. Captain Spaulding's revolver is a Colt Lawman MK3. Just like my baby brother Colt. Aw. <laughs> right? Let's have some car talk, shall we? Yeah. The cop car was a 67 Chevy Impala. Captain Spaulding's beautiful car was a 59 Cadillac 62 convertible. Uh, Rufus drives an International Harvester C-130. <laughs> and oh, Don yeah, Willis's yeah. car was a 61 uh, Chevy. Bill's car is a 1963 Rambler Classic 6 660. And that's all I got for fun facts. Okay. Well, that's just as fun as the movie itself. That was just fun. (laughs) Woo! I'm tired. (laughs) This was a fun one, though. Um, I'm really excited that we got to that we got to do this one. And I wasn't even on my radar until um, Jesse had mentioned how much he likes this movie. And I was, oh, well then. There's Let's a few, it. yeah. I don't. Um, I, I unfortunately for you uh, listeners, I, I don't dabble as deeply into the horror genre as the rest of you probably do. It's not to say that I dislike it overall. It's just that I need to be a very be in a very specific mood to watch something scary. And um, but when I do, and I find things that I like, I really latch onto them. And this was one mm-hmm. of those movies. So yeah, we had so much fun. Um, I had a lot of fun watching this one again and thinking about it more deeply than I normally do. Same. Usually it's kind of that movie that I can just kind of put on in the background and Uh Mm -hmm. catch moments of it and be like, okay, we're at the rabbits. And then, okay, we're underground. 
but uh, but you know this one actually like watching it and making the notes yeah it was it gave me like an even deeper appreciation <laughs> and that it. was a very accurate rendition of the plot too it's like oh yeah. we're at the rabbit's part now oh now we're underground all right and there's dr Sade. oh look it's over. zombies <laughs> oh zombies <laughs> eating me <laughs> oh god i can just see oh, you just being completely plastered and just getting to that part like oh zombies all right yeah that's yeah. a zombie movie now cool <laughs> at the one minute 28 minute marker it is yeah. a zombie movie <laughs> <laughs> hey jamie how about we have some con talk right now oh y'all let's do it yeah so days of the dead atlanta is coming up February 26th. Okay. I am keeping that in because that could not have been better timed than after the announcement of Con Talk. (laughs) So the Bears are playing right now. And if they don't win this game, they're out, apparently, listeners. (laughs) That was my husband. That's a big one. Getting married into it, and I, I was just looking at the screen to see your reactions to see if you heard it. <laughs> oh yeah, he's like, "Con talk, yes." I'm like, "All right, well, hey, Henry, so glad you like con talk." Okay, so as I was saying, the Days of the Dead Atlanta lineup is looking to be pretty fun. Mm-hmm. First of all, it is at the Sheraton Atlanta Hotel at 165 Cortland Street Northeast in, of course, Atlanta. <clears throat> and this is the guest lineup they have so far. We have, it looks like a Friday the 13th Part 6 reunion. Fun. Uh-huh. Is CJ Matthews, who played Tommy Jarvis. Tom McLaughlin, who I am dying to meet one day. It's going to happen. It has to happen. Uh, Billy worked with Tom Mm -hmm. McLaughlin on a pilot in a show he did before it was canceled very quickly after. But yes. And then uh, Tom Fridley and Darcy DeMoss all there. So that's going to be fun. They also have Sam Jones from Flash Gordon and Carrie Hen from Aliens. She played the the little girl. Mm-hmm. And Joe Bob Briggs. And he requires yep. no further oh, no. explanation. So that's who they have so far. Of course, there are going to be more guests added probably long before this ever comes out. But that's who we got right now. And it's going to be a fun one. So Ugh. go check it out. Every person they announce, whatever whatever city that it's in, every person that they announce, I'm always, like, so excited. It's like, oh, my God, another really awesome person. Yeah. And they focus really hard on reunions as far as, like, mm-hmm. oh, this one's a Friday the 13th Part 6 one. Las Vegas, it's looking to be a Nightmare on Elm Street Part 3 reunion. Ah, I'm dying over that. That's so cool. It's, like, one of yeah. my, it's one of my favorite Nightmare movies. Such a great cast. Yeah, I'm really trying to make it happen. I, I know. Really Me, too. Me too. Me so too. <laughs> so bad. I only want to go if you go, though. <laughs> same. Same. So we, we got we to plan this out and communicate and figure it out. I want to go. Yeah. I have to see if I can. Exactly. Um, the dates for Las Vegas is May 14th through the 16th. 
Chicago dates are April 9 through the 11th and Indianapolis, July 16 through July 18. I know you're all like, yeah, that's six months away, but never too early to plan ahead. Exactly. Right? So we don't have any guests up for those ones, but it's going to be amazing. So yeah, keep an eye out. It's awesome. All righty. Uh, it's shout out time. Shout out to Jesse, Alexa, our producer uh, and guest today. This has been so much fun, though. Yes, it so, has. It has been a lot of fun, and I'm glad. I didn't realize it had been so long since we since you've been on. Yeah, I know. Well, that's because I'm always here. I'm just not actually on as a guest. So right, you know. it was right. Cabin in the Woods, right? Mm-hmm. That was the last one I did. I only did three. So, right. Um, this is not. But you fourth. did three really close together. They were all like in the summer. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the first one was in June, and then we yeah. did Swamp Thing. I think like a month later in July, mm-hmm. and then we did uh, Cabin in the Woods in late August. I think was the last time yes. I was on here. So yeah, yeah, it was good. It's and it's great because I um like I look at the way I if I'm ever going to talk about a movie that I know um just to appease some minds who might think that I'm, you know, hating on everything that I talk about. And it's it's not that. It's just that this is how I appreciate movies is I get very critical of them and I point out a lot of flaws because if I can point out all of these flaws and still like the movie, mm-hmm. then that speaks more about the experience of seeing the movie and that it doesn't necessarily always come down to binary ones and zeros of you know, was this executed correctly? It's like, it doesn't necessarily matter more than it matters. Like, did you enjoy the experience? You know, mm-hmm. and, and I, what and I what I enjoy looking back, how I get to continue appreciating a movie is being able to find the little hiccups like, ah, oh, that didn't make sense or that's, uh, that's weird. And, but still be fine with it overall. Like, you know, all I've pointed out all of these things and, Yet I still enjoy this movie, so that makes yeah. sense. But yeah, agreed. I mean, that's why I basically—that's why, like, I've only given a ten once. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like ever because I'm so freaking critical. And yeah. Taylor said that he was actually listening to our Tales from the Crypt episode an hour before we recorded with him for the thing. Mm-hmm. And he's texting me in live time as he's listening. And he's like, holy shit, you gave it a 10. I felt like, <laughs> holy shit, holy shit. Yeah. yeah. He knows. He's yeah. Like, if I, I would have known, it. I would have had like a bottle of champagne ready or something <laughs> and popped that bottle and been like, oh, shit, we got a 10, y'all. I was like, yeah, but it's good stuff. So I, I mean, mean, I get it. Cabin in the Woods, which is one of the best commentaries on horror movies as oh. we know it. Um, a brilliantly written movie. I still didn't give a ten. Like I, th- and that movie is damn near close to flawless. So the fact that I still didn't give because I feel like I feel like I don't know what ten feels like, and that's why I feel if I'm even having a doubt as to whether or not I'm going to call it a ten, then it can't be a ten because I wouldn't have that doubt then. So. So yeah, oh, yeah. It's, it's it's it means something, but of course it's all subjective. I mean, it's only mm-hmm. my rating, so you you know you could feel completely different about it, and you probably do. But it's great to still be able to say like, okay, well, this is what we have. This is what I enjoyed about it, and these are some of the areas that it 
wasn't the strongest in, but that's fine. You know, it's yep. still a great experience. Exactly. As mm -hmm. we're talking about this right now, not having done homework or break anything down because it either gets better or it gets worse. Mm -hmm. In far as my opinion goes, mm -hmm. yeah, I have a few definite tens in my um, mental rolodex here, and three of them are Freddy movies. <laughs> uh. Like I would give for me personally, and I'm the only reason I'm saying this now is because this might actually change when I break it down when sure. we finally do these, and that would be Wes Craven's Nightmare is a ten for me. Nightmare 3 and Nightmare 4 are both 10s for me. Yeah, okay. um, those are all really good. Yeah, And those are all higher than I gave Part 1. I think I gave one like a 9, 9 and a half, something like that. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. those are all 3s. Candyman is a 10. Um, and the, off the top of my head right now, that's those are the only movies I know absolutely 100% a 10 to. Oh, and see, then there's me, and I'm like, I'm like, I love everything, even the stuff that's not very good. So I'm like, oh, American Werewolf in London is a ten for me. Yeah, Suspiria is a ten for me. Evil Dead's a ten for me. Yeah, I have a lot of them. Frankenhooker is a ten for me, and that is not a good movie, but I love it. Yeah, you know, Child's Play would probably be a ten if I really thought about it, and Puppet Master, part one. It's probably going to be a 10, maybe. I mean, I have to really think hard about those ones. Yeah. But they're at least going to be high. But they may possibly be 10s as well. So, yeah, I know I got 10s in me. I just, we haven't done them yet. And, again, that's just me thinking about it right now. They might decide, I might decide to make it an 8. Yeah. When, when it finally comes down to it. Right. You never know. Yeah. So, yeah. Once I finally figure it, once I finally break it down, I might go. You know, I actually don't like it that much. <laughs> and that's what's kind of funny too. Is just that it, it's always interesting to me when people get really defensive about things that they truly love in in the face of somebody who may not enjoy it. But it's like, do you need everybody to feel exactly the same as you feel? Like, like the whole point of this podcast isn't about us telling you what to think of your movie it's just what how we experienced it and then what yeah. our take takeaway from it was and mm -hmm. that's really all it is so the numbers yeah. at, the, at the end of the day the numbers are all arbitrary you know i mean like if because totally. we'll change our minds you know several times throughout you know the the year my favorite movie keeps you know changing all the time but mm -hmm. It's just what's in my heart at the time. And at the end of the day, even if I sat at my desk for like three hours and I really thought about what my favorite movie is for all the reasons and I gave you this ridiculously elaborate explanation as to why I love this movie and got, got PowerPoint, I got slides, I got all this shit. At the end of the day, it's still my opinion. Like, mm -hmm. And, and yeah. no matter how much convincing I'm going to do of you, you're not going to necessarily change your opinion of it yourself. I mean, I might influence you a little bit, but it's still it's still only important to me. So who cares if we're not all in, in agreement? You're probably listening to this because you either like hearing us talk, which is weird. No, I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> because you either like hearing us talk or you like the movie we're talking about or both. Uh -huh. So and that's it. Like that's, that's, that's the only thing that's bringing us together. And that's what's kind of awesome is that it's like, the, the, the common thread is 
we've all experienced this movie in different ways, and I love the fact that I get to talk about it on rare occasions. And with you guys who, you know, I mean, we've been doing these for a long time, and I've only done four of them now, but it's great to have it in a bit of a predictable structure, and we can talk about things that, like, like knowing what the questions are going to be before we mm-hmm. even start helps in that, and it just makes for a great experience overall. So I'm I, I'm very happy and always excited when I have the the opportunity to actually contribute beyond just you know saying hey what's going on. (laughs) (laughs) Well, we love you and we love having you. And I was very excited as I was telling Jamie because this is the first time she's gotten to be here to witness you as a guest. And it was awesome. Like I said, I was like thinking about it and I was like, it's going to be great when it happens. Well, (laughs) I'm flattered that you had that you actually gave it, you know, solid thought outside of the actual (laughs) interview itself. So that's good. But um, yeah, no, it's good. And and yeah, it's very easy to um, have energetic opinions with people who also have high energy when they're talking about a movie, because, you know, if this Mm -hmm. was just a you know, cookie cutter. What was your favorite kill? And I was like, well, my favorite kill was blah, blah, blah. Thank you. What was your favorite hair? Like, no, like, like if that's how the show's going to go, that's like, maybe I'm not going to tune into that one. But, but yeah, no, you're, you're very easy to work with, uh, Jamie. And uh, I mean, Summer already knows that she is, so I don't um, have to go any, any more beyond just the fact that, you know, I wouldn't. Don't be be lying. I'm the slave driver. Where's my episode? <laughs> oh, she'll kick she'll kick your door in, man. You know, no, but um, you know, summer. Text because um, I don't want to leave the house. <laughs> well, before we before we had a um, a predictable um, before we had a predictable uh, schedule. Um, yeah, summer was kind of in the in the dark as to when I was going to release them because I would just release them whenever I release them, and summer would just mm-hmm. you know wait for that text and sometimes she wouldn't know because it's it's not it's not like i was like keeping her waiting in theory it was just that it wasn't the end of the week yet but it was getting close and she's like well where's the episode like oh i'm working on it (laughs) like it'll get there so but but yeah and i start banging indoors (laughs) but now we have the (laughs) right (laughs) but you know but but now with the structure and we have you know the patreon subscribers who get it a week early and then we have the um, the free one that comes out the week after that. Like now we have an actual assembly here and it mm-hmm. um and it makes it a bit easier. So yeah. Yes. And uh I forgot what I was gonna say. So never mind. <laughs> well I hope that wasn't my fault. <laughs> um no, I guess um uh, I guess I'll tell you when I remember. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um moving on to uh our other few shout outs we have our podcast shout out of um saturday night at the movies they just covered gremlins and scrooge and i loved every second of it oh fun. nice yes Both so of much those fun. movies together the same thing mm, well two episodes back to back oh okay. you know but and still... I, li- I listened to them back to back too so i mean yeah, gremlins awesome. and scrooge are both awesome so nice. oh awesome well, you know it was it was the season so it's perfect and then we have um it's a horror podcast our men wes and kevin uh who we love and adore um every time i listen to their episodes i'm just tickled pink i usually laugh out loud Mm -hmm. while i'm 
doing something I shouldn't be laughing out loud doing, like shopping in the grocery <laughs> store. I'm holding my groceries and I'll just like bust out in a random belly laugh and everyone turns and looks at the psycho on aisle three. <laughs> <laughs> See, if I, if, I, if I was that person who turned to look at you, though, I would be on to the fun of it, you know, or you'd be like, that's a happy person. <laughs> <laughs> and I mean, and also, I really hope they realize I'm laughing at what I'm listening to, because I do wear headphones, over-the-ear headphones. Okay. Well, not, they know. Not they like know. earbuds, you mm-hmm. know, where they can maybe be hidden under my hair. But it's very obvious I'm wearing headphones. And so I really hope I don't look too psycho. Um, but yeah, Wes and Kevin always have me rolling. So please go check them out. I'm pretty sure um, people random la- uh, people randomly laughing on the streets of Chicago is not that weird of a concept. <laughs> it's true. It's true. And then uh, we have Christy Adams at Nightmare Toys. I told you guys I cleaned out my closet, right? And I found mm-hmm. some really fun things. I found my convention shoes. Now, oh, yeah. I mean, everyone's like, what the fuck's that? You have special sh- convention shoes? Why, yes. Yes, I do. They are hand-painted. Yes, they are hand-painted with horror movie themes. Like, I have a Candyman pair. I've got a Michael Myers pair. I've got a Freddy pair. And so, yeah, I love my convention shoes. I found those. So I'm ready for cons now. And I also found my Billy doll from Saw. Full-sized Billy doll um, that Christy carries in Nightmare Toys. Mm -hmm. So when I put my Christmas tree away, I'll put my Billy doll up. I don't have room for them right now. (laughs) (laughs) And then I'll send pictures. (laughs) So if you want a full-sized Billy doll from Saw, please go and check out Nightmare Toys. The end. (laughs) Yay. Yay. Um, That's all I got. Do you guys have anything? Hey, just thanks to you guys, Summer and Jesse, and thank you to you listeners. As always, we love having you around. So thank you. Right. And... Thank you to John Morgan, who continues to love and support us and gives us feedback like weekly on episodes. Just sometimes he'll just say something random about an episode. And I'm like, wow, we did say that, didn't we? (laughs) (laughs) So it's amazing. It helps. It It really helps. And we love John and we love all of our listeners, especially the ones that interact with us and talk about the shows because then we can figure out what's working, what's not. Mm-hmm. how you sometimes I don't know these people like some of sometimes they're friends and then sometimes it's like well how did you find it because that's awesome right yeah. Mm-hmm. so yeah it's amazing to talk to the new people and learn more about them it's great we do need a name for our our listeners though like uh Jesse was saying with dollars dollars so <laughs> for well, we no. need, by we the time that this, need a oh, name for you people. Sorry, I didn't mean to step over you there. Um, the so basically, Summer is referencing a promo that you probably may have heard by the time this episode releases. And I hate to do the meta time thing because that confuses people. But um, but the reason why we're not airing the promo just yet is that um, I'm alluding to uh, merchandise that needs to get updated. So we are going. We are in the process of doing that. It's going to take some time, hopefully not too long. And then when the merchandise is updated, we will then be more thrilled to be like, "Hey, 
go buy our merch if you want to support us. Um, right. But it, it, there's uh, there's still a few uh, kinks we're working out with that. So my point is is that I already recorded a promo, and we don't know what to call you guys as a cute nickname for you listeners. You know, are you, are you doll heads? Are you are you doll <laughs> horror dollars? What are you? So <laughs> so if you're listening to this and you get inspired. Please send us a comment. Just let us know, like, oh, it would be really cool if you called us, you know, whatever, the blood yes. or whatever. I don't know. So Yes. Yes. Because we've, Jesse and I were actually talking about that in the beginning of the show a year ago. Mm-hmm. And we're yeah. like, what should we call these people? And we're like, I don't know. We never talked about it again. So <laughs> we're bringing it up again. Now I really need a name for y'all. Yeah. So let us know. What do, what do you guys want to be called? What do we right. call you lovely folks here? Yes, exactly. Okay, um, I think that's all I got. Yeah, you guys got anything else? No, that's all it. good. Yeah. Awesome. Well, Jesse, thank you again for hanging out with us. Cannot yeah. wait to have you back. It's been amazing. Absolutely, I'm happy to all be right. back. All right. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so with that, I am Summer. I'm Jamie, and I'm Jesse. And you've been listening to the Dolls of Horror. We will talk to you later. Bye. 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 This has been a presentation of the Dolls of Horror. New episodes are uploaded every week. If you'd like to reach out and say hello to the Dolls, send them an email at thedollsofhorror at yahoo.com. You can also follow them on Facebook and Instagram, both at the Dolls of Horror or on Twitter at Dolls of Horror for bonus content. And if you really like the podcast and want to support them financially so that they can keep making episodes, consider sending them a donation. Follow the link in the description or go to patreon.com slash the dolls of horror for more information. Thanks for listening and see you next time. It's the Jack in the Box effect. I really, really <laughs> like that. It. We're gonna we're gonna we're gonna yeah. make that we're gonna make that um, that phrase famous. Totally. We're gonna we're gonna the jack the jack in the box effect. <laughs> yes. You can't you can't make a skin suit with the father if the father's not there. So you got to get him there somehow. So it's just like, by the way, your daughter's in this house. Like, well, let me yes. go to this house. Oh crap! I'm dead now. No, there's zombies that live under the water too. Just so you know. <laughs> by the <Yep>. way. <laughs> As if things couldn't be any more worse for these people. Zombies! <laughs> got zombies down there. They're waiting to eat ya. So Days of the Dead Atlanta is coming up February 26th. Okay. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I am keeping that in because that yep, could not have been better timed <laughs> than after yeah. the announcement of Contact. <laughs> It's going to be a party. (laughs) Woo woo.